السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أعطيناك الكوثر فصل لربك وانحر إن شانئك هو الأبتر الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين Once again, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. InshaAllah ta'ala, we're starting our study of Sutul Kawthar in this series, and it's a pleasure to be here in Richardson this week, alhamdulillah. As many of you know, we'll be doing this every first month, every first week of the month, first Tuesday of every month, the other three sessions still in the Irving Masjid, inshaAllah ta'ala. Part of the sort of tradition of these durus is that we take a moment in the beginning to comprehensively discuss an introduction to each surah. And because Surah Al-Kawthar is so heavy, it's one of the shortest surahs of Qur'an and also at the same time it's a very heavy surah in terms of its content, its message, and its wisdom. Most likely I will not be able to accomplish a complete dars of the surah today. We're probably going to end up exhausting ourselves in the introduction and then perhaps some discussion of the first ayah, bi-idhnillah ta'ala. So I want to begin with a really well-written introduction written by Dr. Fadl Salih Hassan al-Ra'i. Uh, who's a renowned author and scholar of Quranic studies. He writes, Suratul Makkiyah, Hiya min a'zam al-suwar allati tudhiru ni'am Allahi ta'ala ala rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa fadlihi al-azim. It is a Makkan surah and it's from one of the greatest surahs of the Quran in which the favors of Allah are manifest upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his incredible preference given to him. In other words, this is the surah, if one is to study how does Allah show preference, and honor his messenger This is one of the greatest surahs to study in that context. By no means is it the only surah, but certainly one of the greatest of them. And also this surah is dedicated to mentioning what Allah gave to him in abundance, not only in this world, but also in the next. In the ayah, inna a'atainaka al-kawthar. Roughly translated, no doubt we have given you the abundant good. That's how it's commonly translated. But we'll look, take a more a deeper look at it later on. وَكَمَا فِي سَابِقِ السُّورَ الَّتِي فِيهَا إِخْبَارٍ بِالنِّعَمِ مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى تَأْتِي نِهَايَةَ السُّورَةِ بِالدَّعْوَةِ لِلشُّكْرِ وَعِبَادَةِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى. And this is a very important concept that he mentions. He says this is consistent with previous surahs in which Allah also mentions His favors. That those surahs also conclude with a with a call to either show gratitude to Allah or to do ibadah to Him. When Allah Azza wa Jal mentions His favors, then at the end He mentions that you should be grateful to Him. For example, you know the famous surah, Allah Azza wa Jal says, "Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa, wa wajadaka dalan fahda, wa wajadaka aailan fa'agna." But then at the end of that surah also, "Wa amma bi ni'mati Rabbika fahdith." So it's a, it's a call, an invitation made to show gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal, and this is consistent in this surah also because in this surah there's a call to ibadah made right after the gift. إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ is the gift. And then what's the call? فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ Pray to your master. And pray only for the sake of your master. وَقَدْ خُدِمَتِ السُّورَةِ بِذَمِّ إِعْدَاءِ الرَّسُولِ And the surah concludes with a condemnation of the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ. وَبَيَانِ أَنَّهُمْ هُمُ الْمَقْطُوعُونَ مِنْ كُلِّ خَيْرٍ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And it 
elaborates that they are in fact the ones that are going to be cut off completely from every every good in this world and the next. What ayah is he talking about? In Nashani Aka, Huwa Al-Abdar, he's talking about that ayah. أَمَّا الرَّسُولُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَقَدْ أَعْلَى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى ذِكْرَهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَأَعْطَاهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ As for the Messenger who is concerned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah has elevated him in terms of his mention in this world and has granted him in, in this world and the next مَا هُوَ أَهْلٌ لَهُ وَاسْمُهُ ذِكْرَهُ خَالِدٌ إِلَىٰ آخِرِ الزَّمَانِ إِنَّ شَانِئَكَهُ الْأَبْتَرِ And he is given to him what he is uh, worthy of. And so in this surah, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in regards to his enemy in Nashani Akahu al Abtar, Lian al Ma'na al Abtar al Maktur min kulli khairin. That the meaning of Abtar in the ayah is the one who is cut off from any form of good. There is no good at all left in this person. And inshallah ta'ala we'll see why this language is very, very strong when we get to that ayah. You know, there's the word batr, batir also, batir also. There's different, you know, morphological forms of that word. But this, you know, this is afalut tafdil in morphology, this is called in sarf. This is the, the, it's, a, it's a very strong form of the noun that is used, abtar. And there's a reason that's used and we'll, when we get to the ayah, we'll study that inshallah ta'ala in more detail. In regards to the study of coherence of surahs, we study the relationship of the previous surah with the next one. And in regards to that study, there's a few, con- a few observations we're going to make. Actually, I'll, I'll go straight to the commentary of uh, Fakhruddin al-Razi rahimahullah. في السورة المتقدمة متقدمة وصف الله تعالى المنافق بأمور أربعة. He says that in the previous surah and what's the previous surah? Surah Al-Ma'un. Surah Al-Ma'un. Allah Azza wa Jal attributes gives us four attributes or depicts four things about the hypocrite. Among other comments that we made in Surah Al-Ma'un, one of the things we learned about Surah Al-Ma'un is the the hypocritical behavior. And he says that there are four major hypocritical acts or attitudes that were highlighted in Surah Al-Ma'un. Awwaluha, the first one, Al-Bukhl. Wahuwa al-murad min qawlihi yadu'u al-yateem wa la yahuddu ala ta'am al-miskeen. The first of them is miserliness, being cheap, you know, and being, you know, greedy. And so greedy that you're willing to push the orphan around and not even talk about giving to the poor. We talked about this last week. Why, Allah didn't say that he doesn't give to the poor. Wa la al-miskeen. He didn't say that. He said, wa la yahuddu this is different. Doesn't even encourage. Doesn't even you know bring it up. Why not? Because if he brings it up and he's wealthy and he's encouraging people to give to the poor, the poor the people are gonna say, Well, what about you? What are you doing? And he, he figures, hey, if I don't bring it up, nobody will bring it up to me, so he doesn't even you know talk about it to begin with. And this is the ex- the extreme state of miserliness. He will see poverty around him, and he's in a position to say something because the previous surah was talking to leaders of Quraysh. They're in a position to say something, but they're not going to open their mouth because it makes them look bad. Because people will say, well, you're the one saying it, why don't you begin with it? You should be the first to do it. Anyhow, so the first attribute of hypocrisy is al-bukhl. The second, wathani, tarku salah wa huwa al-murad min qawlihi. And the second is the abandonment of prayer. And where is that in the previous surah? Al-ladhina hum an salatihim sahun. In that ayah, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the second attribute. Sahwa literally means to forget something when it's not that important to you. So they really abandon the prayer for things they think are more important. You know, Allah Azza wa Jal didn't say, الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ تَارِكُونَ He didn't say that they're, you know, they're tarikun, they're, they're sahun. And uh, sahwa again, they don't care for it, it's not a big deal. You know, لَا يُبَالِي أَمْ صَلَّى أَمْ لَمْ يُصَلِّي It wouldn't make a difference if he prayed or didn't pray, it wouldn't matter to him. Not a big deal. And other descriptions that we talked about last week were also, wait till the very end of salat, time is about to be over, and then make salat, right? 
Or even if he misses a salah, it's not, you know, who cares? That sort of attitude. May Allah Azza wa Jalla protect us from that attitude. والثالث, المراءات في الصلاة وهو المراد من قوله And the third attribute, now keep in mind what's the sequence. The first one was to, um, to be cheap. And the second one was to be heedless and to abandon the prayer carelessly. And the third one now, showing off in matters of salah. Where does he say that? الذين هم يراؤون This is the third attribute. They, they're the ones who show off. When they pray, they're not praying for Allah, they're praying to show off. And the fourth is giving even the smallest acts of charity, the, more, the bare minimum acts of charity. And this is interesting. In some works of classical Islamic scholarship, they don't use the word sadaqah, they use the word zakat. And it's not just referring to the legal term zakat, the 2.5%, but they actually use it because that's the, that's the least someone is supposed to give. They would be a criminal if they didn't give that much. So that's how it's used. The least bit of charity. That's what's in that context it's used. And of course, what Ayah talks about there, them not even being even to be willing to give even the least bit, it's وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ That Ayah is talking about that, that, that final bit that they're not even willing to give that, which is mandatory upon them. Because literally the word ma'un in Arabic means the item which you're not supposed to refuse ever. It's not just money or things. It's, you know, minhu. You know, there's something that you don't forbid someone from giving. Somebody asks you for a glass of water, you're not going to be cheap about it. Right? You don't, just, you don't turn it away from them. But they even do that much. And this wasn't even part of the deen. This is even before Islam. The word ma'un was understood in this way. You just don't turn people away from certain things. But they would even do that much. These four attributes. Now let's see how he connects those four attributes to the contents of this surah. ذَكَرَ فِي هَذِهِ السُورَةِ فِي مُقَابَلَةِ تِلْكَ الصِّفَاتِ الْأَرْبَعَةِ صِفَاتٍ He says that in comparison and contrast to these four attributes, Allah Azza wa mentions four other attributes in this surah. And let's see what they are. فَذَكَرَ فِي مُقَابَلَةِ الْبُخُلِ and in, in contrast to being miserly and cheap, what did he mention in contrast in this surah? إِنَّا We have given you the abundant good. So the contrast of being cheap is giving. And who's giving here? Allah Azza wa Jal. And here he adds the commentary, فَأَعْطِي أَنْتَ الْكَثِيرِ وَلَا تَبْخَلْ He says, if Allah is giving so much, then the, it's only natural that you should now give more. And this is something we learned in the previous two surahs. In Surah Quraysh, Allah told us what He gave Quraysh. And when you are given a lot, then you should give a lot yourself. If you are given a lot, you should give out yourself. You see the same thing happens with the Messenger ﷺ. The Messenger himself was an orphan ﷺ. But now that he's taken care of, what is he supposed to do? Immediately it comes after. You know, now that he's been given, he should take care. So Surah Quraysh, Allah gave Quraysh. So what are they supposed to do? They should give now to others because they're taken care of. Their food is taken care of summer and winter and they're in complete safety. And their food supplies are taken care of. They've got enough to eat. So they should be ones who give. But what does the next surah tell us? Al-Ma'un. They don't give. They don't give what they're supposed to. So by Allah saying, kawthar, One of the implications of that is to give. If Allah has given you so much, then the very least you should do is that you should give. وَذَكَرَ فِي مُقَابَلَةِ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ And in contrast to mentioning, in the previous surah he mentioned the people who don't care about salah. And what does the surah say? فَصَلِّ فِعِ الْأَمْرِ Pray then. And what is this pray? أَيْ دُمْ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ Be constant in the prayer. When Allah commands, now don't take it carelessly. Because you know, it's not just, you know, salah is a good thing, salah has benefits. Allah is commanding to the salah. 
When he's commanding to it, he's, he's, he's expecting from us consistency. Problem? Better? Okay. Alhamdulillah. Okay. So that's the second. And the third. Now remember there were four problems he listed in the previous surah. Being cheap, and then being careless about salah, even abandoning it. The third, showing off in salah. Now he's going to talk about the third one. And in contrast to the third one, they're the ones who show off. You know, in, in contrast to that, he says, not just pray, but pray for the sake of your master. In other words, your intention should only be for Allah Azza wa Jalla, and should, they should not be addressed to anybody else. So now here, this is the matter of ikhlas. As opposed to there, the problem was a lack of ikhlas. You're not doing it for Allah, you're doing it to show off. Then finally, وَذَكَرَ فِي وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَاعُونَ And in contrast to mentioning that they forbid even the smallest favor, that they don't give what they're supposed to. Allah Azza wa Jal here says, وَنْحَرْ and sacrifice. First of all, sacrificing an animal requires you to spend money. Because animals aren't free, so it requires to spend money. And when you sacrifice the animal, part of the meat is supposed to be given in what? Charity. The, the act in and of itself includes at tasadduq you know. So the one who gives the sacrifice necessarily is giving sadaqah after they're done. So that's what he mentions, وَأَرَادَ بِهِ التَّصَدُّقْ بِلَحْمِ الْأَضَاحِ uh, that by, by that Allah Azza wa alludes to or intends to talk about the sadaqah that is to be given from the flesh of the slaughtered animal. فَاعْتُبِرَ هَذِهِ الْمُنَاسَبَةِ الْعَجِبَةِ Then this strange and beautiful correlation between the two lessons of these two surahs is appreciated. Then Allah Azza wa says, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ That your, Allah at the end of that surah talks about the enemy. Right, the, the, the enemy of the Prophet ﷺ who will be discontinued. And the previous surah is dedicated to the acts of the one whose mention should be discontinued from the beginning to the end. All of these descriptions are the descriptions of the person who is Al-Abtar. They are descriptions of it. So there's a connection between these two things. Now, this, uh, uh, inshallah ta'ala, what we're going further into is we're going to dedicate ourselves in appreciating just some lessons from the first ayah. And I'm not going to go in order of the words. We'll come to the words later on. I'm going to start from the word Al-Kawthar itself. Al-Kawthar itself. And Al-Kawthar, uh, inshallah ta'ala, later on in the lesson today, we'll look at the linguistic meaning of Al-Kawthar, what, what it comes from, what its implications are. But for now, we'll just say it means the abundant good, the great good. The great good, al-khayr al-kathir, like many of the salaf say. And inshallah ta'ala, as we go through these notes, we're going to find why is it that al-kawthar includes so many things. Many of you have heard that when Allah Azza wa Jalla says, we have given you, meaning the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa al-kawthar, you know, who al-hawd fil jannah, it's the river in paradise. Also, al-hawd fil mawqif, it's also the river in the, in the place that we have to stop before we head off to paradise, meaning on the day of resurrection, the believers will have a place where they can drink, right by the Messenger So it's referring to two things, a, a bank of water available to us before we enter paradise, and even after we enter paradise, there's two of them, and they're both included in Al-Kawthar, according to several, several, several athar and narration that are found in classical works of tafsir. But we're going to begin from a different point of view. And at the end, we'll see how there is no contradiction. In, our, in the traditional narrations of classical scholars, we'll find that Al-Kawthar, describing this great good, they didn't limit it to the discussion of just the river in paradise and the river before we enter paradise, or the, these, these banks of water. There's talk of a lot of other goods. 
So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to start with one of the most famous lists made of the goods. One of the tafsir in this regard, for example, uh, tafsir al-kabir, uh, in, in, in uh, Imam Razi, he, what he does is he makes a list of some favors Allah has given him just in some of the previous surahs. He just makes a list of them. And I'm going to just share with you some, some of this list so you can appreciate what kind of reflection these ulama used to make when they studied Qur'an. Let's start. He says, first Allah said, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى Allah Azza wa Jal says to his messenger that he did not abandon him. He didn't say goodbye to him. Tawdi'ah. You know, wida' in order to say al-wida' right? It's Arabic word. Tawdi'ah. He didn't say goodbye to you and he's not displeased. And even in that ayah, there's a gift to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Arabic expectation is مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَاكَ there are two, the, the kaf, the pronoun is expected twice. The English translation would have been, he didn't say goodbye to you and he is not displeased with you. But with goodbye, the messenger is mentioned, but with displeasure, the messenger's name is not mentioned. And that's a gift of Allah to the messenger That's out of love. Because the word goodbye doesn't have any negative connotations. But the word displeasure clearly does. And Allah does not mention the name of his messenger وسلم, next to that negative word. Even in that ayah, there's a gift. And of course the lesson of the ayah, that Allah is not going to be one to ever abandon his Rasul Then he says, Another gift to the messenger. No doubt about it, what is at the end is better for you than what is in the beginning. What an amazing gift to the messenger Then on top of that, You know in this surah, inna We've given you. And he describes what he's given us, given him as Al-Kawthar. But there what does he say? وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ He doesn't mention Al-Kawthar. He just says, no doubt about it, I swear very soon, your master will give you a lot. He will give you, he will grant you. فَتَرْضَى And how do you quantify how much will he give? You know when you give, to, when you give a gift to someone, you say, I'm going to give you something. What are you going to give me? How much? What's it worth? Right? Now how do you put a, how do you put a value to it? Allah Azza wa Jal puts a value to it for His Messenger وسلم, He says, فَتَرْضَى I'll give you so much that you'll be happy. You'll be pleased. So the quantity is described as, it'll be so much and it, you won't, it won't stop until you say enough. Until you say, I'm pleased. And the Messenger وسلم, look at his love for this Ummah. He said that I won't be pleased until all of my Ummah is saved from the hellfire. This is the love he has for us وسلم. Then Allah Azza wa Jal is his other favors that are part of this Al Kawthar. Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa. We mentioned this ayah before. Didn't he find you an orphan and gave you shelter? In that ayah, when we studied this ayah a few months ago, you know, Dal is not translated here as lost or misguided. It's translated as seeking. Is understood as seeking. The one who can't find his way and is desperately looking. He, can, he found you in a state where you were desperately looking and he gave you guidance. What bigger gift is, than that? Then, وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى And he found you in desperate financial need and he made you free of need. Then he says, أَلَمْ نَشْرَحْ لَكَ صَدْرَكَ Did we open your chest for you? And what an opening of the chest that the Qur'an can fit in it. The Qur'an that wouldn't fit inside a mountain Right? And it would explode. That Qur'an fits in the heart of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in addition, the, the, the pressure one would feel, that when the ayat would be revealed, we know the, the narrations. Camels, if he was sitting on a camel, the camel would sit down, it would sink into the sand. You know, the Sahabi's knee, the, the Messenger's knee is on top of the Sahabi's knee one time. Right? And the ayat start coming down and the Sahabi narrates, my, my, I felt like my knee was about to shatter. 
Allah says, إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا We're gonna make you come into contact with a very heavy word. And it was literally heavy when revelation used to come. But the messenger's chest is open so he can receive it. What an amazing gift. It is part of Al-Khayr Al-Kathir. Then, وَوَضَعْنَا عَنْكَ وِزْرَكَ We removed your burden from you. الَّذِي أَنْقَضَ ظَهْرَكَ The one that was breaking your back. وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ What a gift of Allah here. We elevated your mention for you. You know, and this رَفْعَ is, it's understood in two ways. You know, there's, in Arabic you can, and like in any other language, you can look at something literally and figuratively, right? So when you say, we elevated his mention, it means بِصَوْت Meaning we made his mention go out loud And that's actually true in every adhan that happens across the world Not a minute goes by that somebody's not reciting Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi And everybody who hears it says Sallallahu alayhi wasallam And it's being elevated, his mention is being elevated like nobody else's Name any other human being Any other human being That is mentioned in this way constantly Constantly And instead of the mention going down over time, what happens? It goes up over time. It doesn't go down over time, it increases. Subhanallah. And Allah says, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ So this is, and, and your mention, right? And Allah gave us so many incentives in the Qur'an to remember and send, send praises upon the Prophet ﷺ that the believer is constantly looking for opportunities to do so. Allah Himself says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ Allah Himself and His angels. You know in Arabic, you don't typically mention the noun first, you mention the verb first. You know, so it's يُصَلِّ اللَّهُ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ عَلَى النَّبِي That's the expected format, jumla fi'liya is the expected format of the sentence. There Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي You know what that means? Imagine, even Allah, no doubt about it, Allah and His messengers, they're sending salawat upon His messenger, upon the Prophet then, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Now realize, صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا Right? Allah didn't just say, begin, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They didn't begin like that. So many ayat in Qur'an begin with, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Just like that straight. But he, before he gets to that topic, what does he come to? You better realize, what I'm telling you to do is something I do myself and my angels. How, his, how will the messengers mention not be elevated? وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ This is part of the good that Allah has given His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam أَنَّهُ أَقْسَمَ بِبَلَدٍ You know Allah mentioned, Allah swore by the city And when Allah swears by something, one of the meanings of that is it's been honored And one of the things Allah swore by is the city in which the Prophet is born Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam You know, وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينَ He swore by that city And by the way, Allah Azza wa Jal swears very very few times you know, by, by anything other than some of his magnificent creations. But in the Qur'an, in the Qur'an, you know, that other than these other creations, there is no human being that has ever been sworn. Allah doesn't swear by another human being, except the Messenger Umruk. Allah swears by his Messenger. I swear by your life. And the only other, other than these inanimate objects, you know, Allah Azza just swears by, you know, animals, al-adiyat. Horses, winds, the sky, the sun, but he also swears by himself, his own self, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bala wa rabbika la yu'minun. You know, wa rabbik. This is him swearing by himself. And even when he swears by himself, first of all, appreciate this. What's the difference between Allah swearing by a creation and then Allah swearing by himself? Isn't there a huge difference? In, even in importance, we would just, we can't imagine. First of all, when Allah swears by anything, it's important. And now he's swearing by who? Himself. And even when he swears by himself, he doesn't just mention himself, 
Next to it, he mentions his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa He doesn't say, وَرَبِّ samawati wal ard, وَرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَرَبِّ him. No. وَرَبِّ malaika, No. What does he say? وَرَبِّكَ Ya Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I swear by the, your master. Even when he swears by himself, he honors his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is part of the al-khayr al-kathir. Al-kawthar huwa al-khayr al-kathir. You know, that abundant good is that, is that enormously plentiful good that has been granted to the Messenger And then he even mentions that Allah granted his Messenger so much that he even gave the, the, the rewards that he was giving him, the rewards that were given to the Messenger, وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونَ You have a reward that can't even be quantified. It cannot have any breaks on it, any limits on it. This is something Allah says, especially to His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi And He loves His Messenger so much, He even gave that to the believers. He gave them that too, out of the love of His Messenger, as He comments, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then Allah Azza wa Jal honors His Messenger with even the beginning of revelation. Even that was an honor. Iqra bismi Rabbika and in that same surah, anyone, anyone who calls against the messenger, who intimidates him, who tries to bully him, this is a reference to Abu Jahl. Let him call his posse. Let him call his gang. We'll bring in our SWAT team also. Zabaniya literally means police, you know, security. <laughs> and Allah says, we'll bring in our security detail. Let him call his posse. What does he got? Allah comes to the aid, the defense of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah specified His Messenger with a special kind of closeness. A kind of closeness never given to anybody else. With what words? Make sajda and come close. He specifically to the Messenger These are from the gifts Allah has given him. Then he says, Now after quoting all these ayat, what does he say? Now listen to this. I, that, it is as though Allah is saying, I give you all of these gifts in the surahs that have been revealed before in the Quran or you find in these ayat in the Quran and each and every single one of them it is more valuable than the entire treasures and sovereignty of the world combined with all of its, its assets and its, its wealth. Then you remain busy in the slavery and servitude and, and worship of this master. Subhanallah. That's he says he connects this to Fasalli Rabbika Wanhar. Now we come to the ayat and a little bit of a word analysis. We'll, talk, we'll go word by word by word and look at some of the other aspects of khayr and then combine the, st- the, the statements of previous scholars with what we just studied uh, under tafsir Razi. Inna a'tainaka al-kawthar. A'ta yu'ti i'ta. First verb in the ayah. I'ta. There's another word in Arabic, a'ta. To give. Then there's a'ta. And a'ta is also commonly translated as to give. Then there's another word, wahaba. Wahaba. Like Rabbana Hablana. Well, sometimes we say Rabbana Atina, right? We say Atina, give us. And sometimes we say Rabbana Hablana, grant us, give us. Also giving. So there's Wahab, there's Ita, there's I'ta. What's the difference between these words? Hiba in Arabic or Wahaba is to give a gift. And it's not just a small gift, it's a huge gift. So when we ask Allah to give us tranquility from our spouses and our children, then that's a big gift. That's not something small. 
If someone can be happy with their spouses and their children, then they're very, very fortunate. Because the vast majority of people who live in a household are not happy in the household. So when they can enjoy that, that's not a small gift, that's a big gift, right? So hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata ayunin. This is in Surah Al-Furqan. Ita in Arabic, to give, is actually to give, but it's not absolute. In other words, you are giving something, but it comes with responsibilities, or you're giving something that you can't take back. For example, تُؤْتِلْ مُلْكَ مَنْ Right? تُؤْتِلْ مُلْكَ مَنْ But also, تَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِنْ You can give it to whoever you want, and you can take it away from whoever you want. Is it possible? The same one Allah gave it to, He can take it away from the same one also? Yes, it is. This is ita. Either it's something that's given that can be taken away. That's one implication. And the other, it's something that's given that comes with responsibility. For example, We gave them the book. Allah gave the book. Does the book come with responsibility? It does. It does. So when giving is associated with some responsibility, or it's something that can be taken back, then in these scenarios, ita is used. But i'ta, it has several implications. One of them is that, you know, in Arabic, words have root letters. And sometimes the sequence of the root letters is shuffled, and the meanings are connected. For example, shukr and shirk have, you know, contradictory meanings, but they're similar in their spelling. You know, husn and nahs have different root letters, they're sequenced differently, but they're connected in their meaning, they contrast each other. This is a feature of classical Arabic. There's i'ta, which is, the root letters are ayn, ta, and waw. Ain, ta, and waw. But then there's tawwa, ta, waw, and ain. It's a different sequence of letters. From it we get the word ita'a, which means to obey, to follow, right? Or to, to, to listen carefully to. You know the word i'ta, to give actually means when you give someone, when you're so happy with them because of their obedience. That's one of the meanings of i'ta, from ita'a. Because of the ita'a, you give i'ta. In other words, when Allah says, أَعْطَيْنَاكَ Allah is pleased with the way the Messenger follows the commandments of Allah. And as a result of His pleasure, He is giving. And this is not a giving that was expected. Very important. You know, sometimes you obey someone and then they give you, like your job. You obey your boss and then you get a paycheck at the end of the week. That's ajr. That's not i'ta. I'ta is, you did this because you didn't, ex- not with any expectation. And then out of the pleasure of the, the, the one who you did it for is so pleased with you, they give you. Without your expectation and beyond your expectation. This is one. Then i'ta is more grand. It's not used for small things, it's only used for big things. It's not a small thing, it's a very, very big thing. Then finally, the third, that i'ta, this word is actually considered a favor that cannot be compared with. And it's something that's not taken back. And something that doesn't come with strings that are attached. In other words, once it's given to you, enjoy. Enjoy it. This is something for you to enjoy. There are no strings attached with it. So when Allah Azza says, Al-Kawthar, enjoy these gifts. Enjoy these gifts. And these are not gifts that I will take away from you. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. These are parts of, parts of the meanings of i'ta. Then as far as the, the, the tense of the word is concerned, A'tayna, Allah didn't say, Inna sanu'ti. Like in another ayah we find, Inna sanulqi alayka qawlan thaqila. Sanulqi, that's the present future. That's actually the future tense. We will soon give you. But here he says, inna a'tina, no doubt we already gave you. Past tense. Now the way we think of past tense in ancient Arabic, in the Qur'an's Arabic, and the Arabic of those times, and the way we think of past tense in English, or in Spanish, or in German, they're different. There are some differences. I'm going to list those differences. Obviously you already know the difference between past tense and present tense. 
But then why is something, why is the past tense being used for one and a few of these gifts Allah hasn't even given His Messenger yet, like Al-Hawd for Jannah. Even though the Messenger in one hadith says, Wallahi la anduru ilayha. I can I swear by Allah I can see it. I swear by Allah I can see it. He told his companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'in, and we'll look at that narration too. But nonetheless, this is something in the future. So why use the past tense to talk about something in the future? This is a legitimate question. The ancient Arabs would talk about something, you know, they, would, they had certain philosophies associated with tenses. The past is for sure. Yesterday was guaranteed. But tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right? So the guarantees are associated with the past. And, you know, uncertainty is associated with the future. If you want to talk about something in the future that is super guaranteed, super, there's no doubt about it, it's guaranteed it's going to happen, then you talk, and you're so sure about it, then you talk about it in the past tense, because the past tense is used to describe that which is guaranteed. It is as though you're saying, it is as sure as yesterday. It is as, so, as sure as yesterday. Okay? You know, the, the way they say uh, in English expression, as sure as the sun rising tomorrow. But actually, we don't use that in Islam because we're not sure if the sun's rising tomorrow. But there is a certainty associated with the past. So this is one of the rhetorical benefits of Atayna. Allah is guaranteeing it as guaranteed as that. You know, actually, there is an English expression that captures it. You know how they say "done deal," right? I'll see you next week, and you say "done, done." It's not done. It's going to be done next week. <laughs> but you're saying, even psychologically, it is as guaranteed as it already happened. It's already done. Don't worry about it. Finished. It's not finished. What you're saying, finished. You know. So this is this is the rhetorical first rhetorical benefit. The second rhetorical benefit of using the past tense is the is the form of completion. In other words, in Arabic, present tenses are used to describe something that's not done yet. In other words, if I say "atallamul Arabiya," I learn Arabic. I learn Arabic. You know what that implies? I have I haven't finished learning yet. It's not done yet. It's still going on. But if I say to you, I learned Arabic, you know what that signifies? It's done. It's complete. As far as Allah is concerned, the favor is guaranteed and the favor is also complete. The favor is also complete. There's not, it's not going to be shortchanged. Both implications are present in just the tense that Allah Azza wa used in Inna A'taynaka. Now we come to the word, I'm skipping Inna for later on, inshaAllah ta'ala. Now we come to the word, Kawthar. By the way, Salah here is 8.30, right? So we'll, we'll wrap it up about maybe 7 minutes before Salah and then reconvene right after Salah, inshaAllah. Anyhow, now we come to the word Kawthar. Kawthar from a morphology, from a sarf point of view, belongs to the Arabic pattern Thaw'al. Thaw'al. And this word, this pattern is used for, is one of the siyah, one of the patterns of what's called in English hyperbole. And in Arabic we call it Sigatul Mubalagha. Mubalagha. Now, I know I've talked about this before, but I want to, this is a newer audience, so I want to make sure you guys understand. We have to get better at English too sometimes. There's a difference between saying you hyperbolized your statement. I know a lot of you don't know what that means. I'll explain it. You hyperbolized your statement as opposed to saying you exaggerated your statement. There's a difference between hyperbolizing and exaggerating. Hyperbole means to say something in a very powerful way, in a very strong way. Exaggeration means to go beyond the truth and enter the realm of falsehood. So exaggeration is actually, you didn't exactly speak the truth. But if you hyperbolized, you were very excited, but you didn't go overboard. In other words, you didn't leave truth and enter into falsehood. I'll give you an example. 
some, you know, two kids got in a fight in the parking lot, let's just say, right? And we're getting different versions of it. Some kid walks in, there's a fight in the parking lot, a really bad one. Okay, this is hyperbole because it's true. Even though he's excited and he elevated the speech and he made it seem like a big deal, there's truth in it. But somebody, some other kid walks in, oh my God, one of them's gonna be in the hospital, it's gonna be so, and they're going on and on and on. No, no, he just slapped him, he didn't do anything else. No hospitals are involved. This is considered what now? Exaggeration. The Quran does not have what? There's no exaggeration, but there is a lot of what? Hyperbole. There's a lot of mubalagha, there's a lot of hyperbole, but there's no exaggeration. Because the Quran, you know, قوله الحق, his word is true. It's the truth. So there's no such thing as exaggeration in the Quran. Sometimes because of a lack of sensitivity even to English language, a lot of times a speaker or translator even might end up saying, oh, this is the exaggerated form. Or this is an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration. It's a hyperbolized. That's the word to use. To empower a word in its meaning. To give a word steroids as we say nowadays, right? To give it juice. To give it strength. To muscle it up. That's what that means. Anyhow, now this word al-kawthar. It, it comes from the word kathir or kathra. Kathra means to have plenty. Kathir is an adjective. Al-kawthar is incredible, incredible amounts of something. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Then you don't call it kathir, you call it kawthar. Allah says, I have given you lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And I can I can keep adding because it's kawthar. Kawthar has a wow in it. Kathir has a ya in it. In Arabic rhetoric, in balagha, the wow is stronger than the ya. So if Allah said kathir, it would be a lot still, but Allah said kawthar, making it even more. The word kathir in and of itself means a lot, but Allah made that word a lot times another lot because of the wow in al-kawthar, subhanAllah. This is to describe what Allah has given His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Again, al-khayr al-kathir, fa'al min al-kathra. Similarly, al-qurtubi comments, al-nawfal min al-nafls, other words that are hyperbolized in the same way. Al-jawhar min al-jahr. والعرب تسمي كل شيء كثير في العدد والقدر والخطر كوثرا and the Arabs used to mention talk about anything that is a lot in terms of its quantity a lot in terms of its value a lot in terms of you having to want to protect it and guard it those kinds of words they used to call them كوثر something that was there was a lot of it and it was very very valuable then they would use that word فالكوثر هو بالإضافة إلى الكثرة المفرطة فهو this is also important. When you say a lot of something, is it possible it's a lot of good things or a lot of bad things or a lot of mixed? It's possible. Because when you say a lot, I gave, I gave you a lot. Right? Or I taught you a lot. Maybe I taught you a lot of good things and also in there some bad things. The word kathir can be used for good and bad things. But the word kawthar can only be used for good things. It's, it's, it's mutakhassis, or mutakhassas rather, it's specialized and specifically used only in context of that which is good. This is part of the perfection of the ayah. That Allah said, Inna al-kawthar. In other words, everything Allah has given him is incredibly good. And he's given him a lot of it. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَعِنْدَمَا عَرَفَ الْكَوْثَرْ بِالتَّعْرِيفِ This is also important. There's an al on it. إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرْ Now, one of, the, one of the features of Arabic is when you say, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ كَوْثَرًا Kawtharan. That can refer to many different things. But if you put al on something, one of the implications of that is it's only referring to one thing. So some have argued because this is al-kawthar, it's only referring to the river in paradise and nothing else. And the proof of that is the al. They're saying that the al is proof that it can only be referring to 
one thing, and that one thing can only be what we find in the Athar, which is Al-Hawd fil Jannah, or Al-Hawd fil Mawqif, right? That, that can, that's the only thing it can be referring to. But, وَلَوْ قَالَ كَوْثَ لَمَّا دَخَلَ النَّهَرْ فِيهِ لَكِنَّ الْحَذْفِ الْمَوْصُوفِ This is the comment. لَكِنَّ حَذْفَ الْمَوْصُوفِ أَفَادَ الْإِطْلَاقِ وَجَمْعَ كُلَّ خَيْرِ When you refer in Arabic to something with an adjective, you know how in English we have nouns and adjectives, right? When you talk about the adjective but you don't mention the noun, right? Then that adjective could be referring to many things even if it has al. Allah by saying the a lot, a lot, or a, you know, a great many, plenty. Are these words nouns or adjectives? Plenty, lots. These are adjectives. And if because the, the Allah used an adjective and didn't quantify a noun, didn't specify what noun is it an adjective of? Al-Hawd al-Kathir, Al-Hawd al-Kawthar, he didn't mention the noun. By not mentioning the noun, it opens the scope and the acceptability of other possibilities in the ayah. And this is part of the grand gift giving of Allah Azza wa Jal, that he didn't limit the gift that he gave to his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Just give you a couple more references in, as far as the linguistics of the word Kawthar. The old, there's a poetry about the old woman in Arabic uh, uh, history, who, you know, her son went to travel and the Arab son would go to travel to, you know, go and trade and bring back wealth. So he comes back and the, the mother is asked, Bima ababnuk, what did your son bring? What did he come back with? And what does she respond? Bikawtharin. He came back with? Kawthar. Ay, meaning, bimalin kathir. He came back with a lot of wealth. He, he made good money on that trip. So she's first of all delighted because her son is back and she's really happy because he came back loaded, right? So that's, that, that's where the word kawthar is used even before Islam. This is the shi'ad. وَأَنْتَ كَثِيرٌ يَبْنَ مَرْوَانَ طَيِّبٌ And you are a lot, you are very good in terms of your good character, Ibn Marwan. So the poet is praising a guy named Ibn Marwan. But then he says, your dad was awesome. You're okay, but your dad, man, he was, he was just awesome. So what does he say about him? وَكَانَ أَبُوكَ إِبْنُ الْعَقَائِلِ But your dad, Ibn al-Aqail, that guy was kawthar. You're tayyib, you're good. But that guy, he was amazed, he was kawthar. So what he's saying is, you're, you should be more like your dad. You're, I'm impressed, but I'm not that impressed. You know, and the way he does that, he compares the word tayyib with the word kawthar. Meaning he was really very, very, very good. The final comment, inshallah ta'ala, in regards to uh, al-kawthar, actually we'll do two more things, we have time. Uh, I think I can pull them in there, inshallah. The word inna. The word inna, we didn't do that. We did a'taynaka, we did al-kawthar, but we didn't do inna. This inna in Arabic is actually grammatically, even if you don't say it, the sentence is complete. You can say a'taynaka al-kawthar. We gave you al-kawthar. It's a still a complete sentence. And the word we is already there because at the word of a'tay, you have the na, that's the fa'il. That's the, that's the word we. It's already there. But we say inna, that's a we, na at the end. A'tayna, that's another we. Now if you literally translate, certainly we, comma, we gave you al-kawthar. This is the literal translation. And this is actually what the Arabs are meaning by it. Now let me give you some context. When does somebody mention themselves twice in terms of an act that they did? For example, you, you know, there's, a, there's an argument or something. I, I paid for it. You understand what I just did? Me, I hired you. I, said my, I mentioned myself twice, why? This is a means by which I am reminding someone of something they can clearly forget. 
This is one, one thing. Second, this is a case of ihtimam. It's called in Arabic. To highlight something, to give importance to something. And here Allah Azza wa Jal is giving importance to the giving. I am the one who gave. I, I gave. No doubt about it. The word inna is also important. You could, you could also say nahnu a'taynaka al-kawthar. But there's inna. The, 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 the harf al-tawqeed is there. The benefit of harf al-tawqeed is to remove doubt. This is by most accounts a Makki surah, even though there are respectable narrations, even in Muslim, even in Sahih Muslim, that this could be a Madani surah. But we'll reconcile those two by the end of this dars, inshallah ta'ala. How do we understand when there are multiple narrations? Some say the surah is Makki, others say the surah is Madani, especially such a short surah, which we assume the whole surah came down at once. Then how can there be differences of opinion about when the surah came down? We'll understand why those differences exist. And how to reconcile those differences, inshallah ta'ala. This is a good opportunity to do that. This surah is a good opportunity to do that. But nonetheless, the, the word inna here, removing doubt. If you understand that this surah is makki, which is the ijma' of the ummah by the way. The ijma' pretty much is on the fact that it's makki. And that's how you'll find it ascribed in the mushaf also. Then you understand that the messenger والسلام, is dealing with a group of people that are very insulting and condescending and hurtful. And they're constantly making mention of what the messenger doesn't have. What he doesn't have. Even at the end of this surah, you know Abu, Abu Lahab? He was the Prophet's neighbor. Allah, he was the Prophet's neighbor. And the first son of the Prophet Qasim radiallahu anhu, he passed away. There was still one son left. What's his name? Abdullah radiallahu anhu. Besides the four daughters, right? And these are all, you know, and, and, and uh, Abdullah is left. And then one day the news comes out that Abdullah radiallahu anhu has also passed away. And one of the first people to get the news, you know who it was? It was Abu Lahab. And he's happy like anything. You know, at the, what kind of disgusting person could be happy at the death of a child? Even your enemy, even your enemy, if their child dies, you get a soft corner in your heart. How filthy can this person be? How cut off from their humanity can they be? That he's celebrating this, he goes dancing out of his house, goes and announces, oh Muhammad, his name's gonna be cut off. Who, you know, Batara Muhammadun. His, his name's gonna, his lineage is done, he's finished. No more sons for him. In other words, they would boast about what the Prophet doesn't have. They would also talk about the Prophet's lack of wealth, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They would talk about the Prophet's lack of backing, in other words, he's an orphan, right? How come this Qur'an wasn't given ala rajulim min al-qaliyatayni azim? How come it wasn't given to one of the leaders of the tribe, of the two tribes? How come we have to listen to him? They would constantly make mention of what the messenger doesn't have. And Allah begins the surah by saying, No, don't worry about what you don't have. I've given you plenty. We, no doubt about it. Don't doubt it ever. Do not doubt it ever. And let no one who hears this ever doubt that you have been given more than they can ever imagine. Al-Kawthar. And we have granted it to you. No strings attached. And we've given you lots and lots and lots of it. Unimaginable amounts of it. Subhanallah. How the ayah contrasts what's in the beginning to what's at the end. And how it comes to the consolation of the Messenger ﷺ. You know when somebody speaks in a bad way to you, then you need somebody to calm you down and say, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, don't let it get to you. And, and even if you know those things, when you hear them from someone else, you say, yeah, you're right, man. Thanks. You helped me calm down. Who comes to calm the messenger down? Who comes to the consolation of the messenger وسلم, Allah does in the Qur'an. This is one of the gifts of Allah to the messenger. He comes to the aid of his messenger. Allah knows subhanahu wa ta'ala when his messenger is feeling sad, when he feels insulted, when he feels hurt by the words that they say. 
وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ يُضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يُضِيقُ صَدْرُكَ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ We know already that your chest becomes tight because of the things they say. You don't think the messenger's chest would become tight? Your child just dies and somebody's celebrating that? Somebody, I mean, imagine that. I mean, leave the fact aside that he's the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa any human being, that you would see somebody celebrating the death of your child. How much, how much kind of rage and pain would it cause you? And then after that, what does he have to do? He has to go and make da'wah to the same people and be patient with them. He can't go into battle with them. He doesn't do, not yet, no. Patiently make da'wah to them. وَاصْبِرْ عَلَى مَا يَقُولُونَ Be patient with what they're saying. We pray over those ayat so easily. Be patient with what they're saying. Can you realize what they're saying? Do you realize what, I mean imagine somebody said this kind of thing to you. You're, you'd lose it. You would lose it. You say, I, you know, he said, you don't know what he said. That's what you'll say. You'll act crazy. And when I try to stop you, you say, you don't know what he said, man. Well, we know what he said. But look at the sunnah of this man, sallallahu alayhi wa that we call our messenger. What an amazing role model Allah has given us in terms of his patience. And what kind of heart it takes to make da'wah to people like that. To know that this despicable human being, and on top of that, he's family. And this tells you another lesson. The most hurtful words will come from where? <laughs> the family. Your, fam your own family can say the nastiest things because they know they can get it. It's all family, it's all good. They can say it and get away with it. Oh, what's the matter? He's getting under your skin? You know, and they'll keep poking, keep poking because it's all good in the hood. You know, it's all good. If somebody else said it to you outside, you break into a fight. Let your uncle go off on you all day. Right? So, like the messenger's uncle, no exception. Right? In this case, la'anahullah. Anyhow, let's finish this comment and we break for the salah. Yujad al-amran. In inna, in the ayah, there are two issues found. Al-ikhtisas, exclusivity, meaning it is only we who have given you kawthar. And since it is only we who has given it to you, the only one who can take it away is us. But since we gave you i'ta, not ita, we're never going to take it away either. No one can take away from you what we have given you. They can take whatever, they think, they think they're taking something away from you. They've got nothing. They've got nothing. Inna a'taynaka. This is al-ikhtisat. The second is fal-ihtimam. And Allah has given high importance to the giving that Allah gives His Messenger. This is called ihtimam. Hamma shay. Ahamma shay. He gave it importance. He gave it importance. So these, this gift that Allah has given His Messenger with, with this tawqeed on inna in the beginning is a, a special you know, privilege has been given to the Messenger We just count from a language point of view how many ways Allah has magnified what He's giving His Messenger in just the first ayah. And we're just at a loss. And the gifts Allah gives His Messenger Inshallah Ta'ala after the break, immediately after Aisha, I'll try and wrap up the first session on Sutul Kawthar. I, again, I don't think we're going to finish Sutul Kawthar today, but I hope to finish at least the commentary on the first ayah. Barakallahu li walakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidil Anbiya wal Mursaleen. وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين رب العالمين ثم من بعد ونسجن السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We're going to now begin our study of some of the narrations in regards to uh, the meaning of الكوثر that are found in traditional commentary There's a score of them If you have, if you're only uh, if the only things in your access are English uh, versions of tafsir literature then the, the abridged version of Ibn Kathir which is published or Ma'arif al-Quran uh, in English will have these narrations so I'm just going to give you instead of giving you scores and scores of narrations and who narrated them I'll give you the gist of it 
by just uh, you know translating one of them, and they represent really other narrations that are very very similar. For example, in Tafsir al-Tabari, there are pages upon pages upon pages of who narrated the same exact narrations, like t- eight pages of just that that same narration coming from various sources. So instead of the redundancy, which is done, it's a great scholarly contribution. But just for our purposes, we know that they exist in numerous quantity. So we'll just cite one of them that represents the rest of them, and you can uh, look up uh, more of them, inshallah ta'ala, if you have the opportunity. So for instance, there's this famous narration quoted, أَتَدْرُونَ الْكَوْثَرِ Do you know what al-kawthar is? إِنَّهُ نَهْرٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ And the, the, the narration goes on that no doubt it is a river, uh, or a flowing river rather, in paradise. Al-Tabari, uh, uh, actually Al-Qurtubi rahmahullah comments in Jami' al-Ihkam, he says, Remember we said there are two rivers or ponds, bodies of water, uh, and one of them is in the place of standing and the other is in paradise. He says even the narrations regarding the place of standing, there are many of them. There are not few. So we have two equally popular narrations among the first generation. Then he says, It's possible that those rivers or that river was called that name, Al-Kawthar, which has to do with abundance, or Al-Hawd Kawthar, لِكَثْرَةِ الْوَارِدَةِ وَالشَّارِبَةِ مِنْ أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم هناك. Maybe it's called Kawthar because of, this, of the huge numbers of followers of the messenger that belong to his ummah صلى الله عليه وسلم. May Allah make us from them because of the huge numbers of people that are we drinking from it. Maybe it's called Kawthar for that reason, Al-Qurtubi comments. Or he says, or maybe it's called that because the, the benefits of it and the goodness of that river is a lot. There's a lot of goodness in it and there's a lot of water flowing from it and there's plenty for lots and lots of people. So perhaps because of these reasons, it's given the attribute of Al-Kawthar. Then I want to share with you perhaps a, a really interesting narration which I alluded to last, uh, in, in, in the session before that helps us reconcile these two things. Are we contradicting the Salaf? Are we contradicting the older generation, even the narrations of the Sahaba, when we say that Al-Kawthar means more than just the river in paradise or the river in Mokim? Are we contradicting them? Or is they, are, are the scholars who have other opinions, are they contradicting the first generation? We find this narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, and the other person involved in this narration is Sa'id ibn Jubayr radiallahu anhuma. Let's see what they have to say. عن ابن عباس أنه قال في الكوثر هو الخير الكثير الذي أعطاه الله أعطاه الله إياه. ابن عباس says that it is the great good that Allah had granted only and exclusively to His Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم. In other words, ابن عباس did not say that it's the river, that it's the river in paradise. Now interestingly, فقلت لي and, and this is something that was quoted on behalf of ابن عباس by سعيد بن جبير. And he was speaking to a man named Abu Bashar. And قَالَ أَبُو بَشَرْ فَقُلْتُ لِسَعِيدِ بْنُ جُبَيْرِ So I said to Sa'id ibn Jubayr, فَإِنَّ نَاسٍ يَزْعُمُونَ أَنَّهُ نَهَرْ فِي الْجَنَّةِ But the people assume that this is a river in paradise. So how can he just say it's, the, it's great good, or lots of good, Ibn Abbas anhuma, when so many people are thinking that it's the river in paradise? How do you reconcile the two? Remember, a conversation is taking place between who? These are Sahaba. These are all Sahaba. So what does Sa'id bin Jubayr say? فَقَالَ سَعِيدٌ النَّهَرْ الَّذِي فِي الْجَنَّةِ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ الَّذِي أَعْطَاهُ اللَّهُ إِيَّهِ Simple. To them it's a simple matter. The river that Allah gave him in paradise is from the good that Allah gave him. In other words, it's not, there's no contradiction. It's not limited. That's not the good that it's limited to. It includes it and there's more to it than that too. 
And this is why you find remarkable scholar, uh, scholarly commentary by people like Ash-Shawkani rahimahullah, Al-Alusi rahimahullah. They made a list of these goods that they could think of. What could Allah be referring to when He refers to the goods that Allah gave His Messenger wasallam? We made a list of them by Imam Razi before. Now I'm going to give you an additional list of what are these, that abundant good, that in, in, enormous amounts of good that Allah gave His Messenger what does it include? The first one, وَإِنَّكَ لَا عَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ That you are committed to an incredible character. You know we're living in times when the Messenger's character is being attacked. There's character assassination taking place against the Messenger ﷺ. How come he was polygamous? How come he was this? How come he was that? And Allah says one of the great gifts of Allah to him is his character. And this is something the Muslims have to not only appreciate, but stand by and be proud of. We have to be proud of this. That everything the Messenger does ﷺ, you couldn't do it better. It can't be done better. This is the greatest way it can be done. So we have, to, we have to appreciate that. And we, we have to appreciate that this is a gift of Allah to him. And to not appreciate that about him, is to not appreciate one of the great gifts Allah gave his messenger, wasallam. Then it's nubuwa and risala. Nubuwa itself. This huge responsibility. And this, at the same time, this incredible honor to be the final messenger on the face of this earth. And to be a messenger of what? The final words of Allah. The great word of Allah Azza wa Jal. This in and of itself is a huge khayr that Allah has given him. This is part of Al-Kawthar. Part of Al-Kawthar is His mercy. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We haven't sent you at all with any purpose, except as a mercy for all the peoples and all the nations of the world. And this has also in our times become a controversy. Your religion preaches violence. Your religion tells you to you know, kill innocents. Your religion is a religion of hate. You know, I listen to a lot of Christian talk radio, that's what they talk about. Islam's a religion of hate. This guy, Muhammad, they don't say sallallahu alayhi wasallam. by the way. You know, he commanded people to kill, he commanded people to, you know, torture, and that's what they're talking about. This, you've seen this on the news, we're tired of watching this stuff, right? But we do have to understand, the Qur'an does talk about violence. When they, they can quote ayat, because they're there, right? They are there. So how do we understand them? How do we understand them? Probably the most controversial ayah according to their standards, and the ayah we're at least comfortable discussing, the surahs we're at least comfortable discussing, uh, are places like Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah is very uncompromising and very unforgiving. It's very unforgiving. It's so, it's so vicious. In its antagonism against the kuffar, it doesn't even begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. It doesn't even mention Allah's mercy. It doesn't begin like that. And when Umar radiallahu anhu was asked, actually Ali was asked, why doesn't it begin with Bismillah? He said, because it came down with a sword out of its cover. You know the mane of the sword, the cover? This surah came down with the sword out of its cover. <laughs> That's how he responded. That's a pretty, pretty stern surah. It's a very uncompromising, you could even argue politically incorrect surah. But you know what's amazing about that surah? Allah didn't begin with His mercy, but He ended with the Messenger's mercy. بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفٌ Rahim. Subhanallah. قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمْ عَنِتُمْ سُبْحَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَأُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ Allah did not begin with His mercy, but at the end, whose mercy does He mention? The mercy of the Messenger wasallam. How do we understand that? Why would Allah mention the mercy of His Messenger in a surah that seems to have no mercy at all? Even from the beginning, the kuffar have four months before they're executed. فَسِيحُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ Right? And then after that, 
you know, bara'atun min Allahi wa rasuli. It begins that way. Allah's announcement of not having anything to do with the mushrikeen, nor His Messenger. They have nothing to do with them. And that they are going to be humiliated and put down on the earth. And they're not going to be able to overpower their enemies. I mean the kuffar are being told, it's not your time anymore. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ اللَّهِ You're not going to be able to overpower Allah anymore. Your time is done. It's very uncompromising ayat. Then what does that have to do with mercy? How do we explain that to a Christian friend or a Jewish friend? How do we explain these ayat? I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because it's part of what we have to appreciate about these ayat. We should study these ayat and what the scholars have said about them, but also we should appreciate the things that are being said in our time and how to respond to them and how to you know, understand a response to them for ourselves and also for the benefit of others. You see, Allah had sent messengers throughout history. And we know that and the Christians know that, everybody else knows that too. The people of the book know that. That Allah sent messengers. And then the messengers came and did the majority follow them or did not follow them? The majority did not follow them. And when the majority did not follow them, and the, the majority decided that they're going to remain kuffar, they're going to remain disbelievers, then Allah Azza wa Jal sent punishment upon them, not just in hellfire, but where else? This world also. Allah destroyed them by a flood or an earthquake or fire from the sky or the town is turned upside down. There are all kinds of horrific punishments. And what's the crime? The crime isn't kufr. The crime is specifically kufr against a messenger in his face. You living in the time of a messenger? It's not that you just heard about him. You met him. You saw him, he was your neighbor. And you were still disbelievers? And you remained that way for decade after decade after decade? In the case of Nuh for centuries? How dare you? Not only will you get punishment in hellfire, you will also get destroyed. Here, you understand that? The crime is to disbelieve in a messenger in his presence. That's the crime. And over and over and over again, Allah destroys the nation that disbelieves in the messenger in his face. In, in his presence. This is the sunnah of Allah. This is the sunnah of Allah. This is how Allah does things. And Allah says, وَلَن تَجِدَ لِسُنَّةِ اللَّهِ تَبْدِيلًا You will not find a change in the way Allah does things. Now will the Christians agree that God destroys nations or destroyed nations that disbelieved? Absolutely. Because their Bible is full of it too. It's filled with what we have in our book too. They have it. Now, let's take the next step. We believe Muhammad wasallam is a messenger. Just like Nuh is a messenger. Just like Salih is a messenger. Agreed? Right? Now, these messengers came. They're warning the people, if you don't believe, a punishment is coming. عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ I'm afraid for you of a punishment of an enormous day. I'm afraid for you, I'm afraid for you. Did the people take those warnings seriously? No. Come on, we've been hearing your warnings all year, all 10 years now. Bring it already. Where, when is it coming? When is, when is this promise going to be fulfilled? We've been hearing you talk about this, we're tired of it now. You know what? Just bring it. If you've got it, bring it. Well, we can handle it. That's how they started talking to the messengers. Then the punishment came. And when the punishment came, it's not like Allah gave them a chance. Hey, you see it now, you ready to believe? In other words, the floodwaters came, and they're about to crush the kafir's house, and then Allah hit the pause button. And then Nuh comes over and says, didn't I tell you? You want to believe now? Were they given that opportunity? Once the floodwaters reach here, they're not going to stop, they're going to keep going. You understand? In other words, the opportunity to believe is not before Allah overpowers them. The opportunity to believe is not after it, but before it. That's what I'm saying. You can only believe before Allah brings the punishment, not after. Now come to the Messenger ﷺ. This is the sunnah of Allah. Once the punishment comes, it cannot be stopped. Who's the criminal? The Quraysh are. They disbelieved in a messenger in his face. 
What do they deserve according to the Sunnah of Allah? That they should be annihilated. Maybe a fire, maybe fire from the sky or earthquake or the earth should eat them or they should be flooded. Something should happen to them because this happens to every messenger's disbelievers. Fine. But Allah did not bring them punishment from the sky. He did not bring them punishment from underneath the earth. He did not afflict them with disease. What punishment were they given? They were, the punishment against them, divine wrath against them were the sahaba. The sahaba. Allah sent upon them the believers who, who, who uh, defeated them in battle and eventually conquered Mecca. Now when they conquered Mecca, now Allah has overpowered them. And when Allah overpowers the disbeliever, what's supposed to happen? What happens in the case of Nuh or of Salih or of Shu'aib? When Allah overpowers the disbeliever, what's supposed to happen? You die. So the, the sword of the Sahaba, the believers is on their necks. And then Allah says, stop. Has he ever said stop before? No? He says stop. Give them four months. Let them think about it. And in the meantime, if anybody comes to you and says, oh, actually, I never took you seriously. All these 23 years, I, was, I don't know, I was hanging out. I was, you know, I was busy with my PlayStation 3. You know, I didn't really hear the message. So can you explain it to me over again? I, you know, don't even say to him, where were you all this time? Should have been paying attention. Too late now. No, no, no. وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ If even now one of the mushrikeen comes to you, give him time until he gets to hear the speech of Allah. And then don't hover over his face. So what's your decision? No, no, no. ثُمَّ أَبْلِغْهُ مَأْمَنَ Let him go to a safe place where he's not intimidated. Let him make his decision on his own. Subhanallah. Has this ever happened before? This is a special mercy given to Muhammad ﷺ that was never given to any messenger before him. This is special. And then on top of this, in these four months, you have options. If you believe all previous crimes forgiven. I've been telling you you're going to be overcome. I've been telling you, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ I've been telling you that, you know, لَتُغْلَبُنَّ you will be overcome. I've been warning you. And you took, didn't take it seriously. Now that it's happened, now you should believe. But even now, think about it. If you believe all the previous record is wiped, clean slate, full immunity. You're equal citizen. You're equal citizen. But if you don't want to believe, then I'm not putting you under house arrest either. You know what you can do? You can just move. You can move and no, you, you won't be killed. You can just leave. The punishment of the crimes you committed, you killed civilians, you kicked people out of their homes, you engaged in acts of aggression, and even then, even though you did all of these things, O Quraysh, you've got four months to either become Muslim and we forget, let bygones be bygones, or you can leave, and if you don't want to leave, then you better be ready to fight after four months. I don't know what else you call this but mercy. I don't know what else you call this. We have such a shallow reading of the seerah. Can you, when Allah says, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ What nation was given this mercy? That they would be given an opportunity. This is an incredible gift of Allah Azza wa Another gift of Allah Azza wa to the Messenger is the Qur'an. We say the Qur'an is the final miracle to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Was Musa Alaihi Salam given a miracle? Was Isa Alaihi Salam given a miracle? Was Salih Alaihi Salam given? They were given miracles too. So what's so great and abundant about the Qur'an? All of their miracles were only miracles while they were there. After they died, those things were no longer miracles, they were only stories. That can be narrated. 
In other words, somebody who saw Musa salam turn the staff into a snake, can one day tell their child, you know what I saw with my own eyes? And then that child will say, you know what, my grandf- what your grandfather told me? And they can pass it down. But the first one saw a miracle, the rest of them heard what? A story. And a story isn't a miracle, it's a story. You can believe it and you can also what? Disbelieve it. But a miracle is something, it's in your face. The messengers is the only miracle, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that lives on and is as convincing as it was when it was revealed. The miracle lives on. The proof that the Qur'an is the word of Allah, the arguments of the Qur'an, the hujjah of the Qur'an is as valid today as it was then because, because all the other messengers were given miracles for the eyes to see. But this messenger predominantly, he was given a miracle for the ears to hear and we still have ears when you can hear the same exact message. Subhanallah. It's something incredible Allah gave his messenger. Then let's move forward. He gave him al-adl and al-fath. They go hand in hand. Allah gave his messenger justice. Justice that the world had been hungry for. The world had been hungry for it. And this is a mercy Allah gave His Messenger Those of you that are political science students, run, learn about the oppression of dictatorships, and of, 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 of different kinds of dynasties, right? And even the oppression of religious rulership. The, even you know, in, in American history and European history, uh, especially in European history, we study about the oppression of the church against the people. And Allah Azza wa brings a, a, gives His Messenger a deen by virtue of which you can, there is no such thing as a clergy. There is no such thing as a holy class of people. Everybody can be put to question. And if you are in disagreement about something, فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Take it back to the constitution. Everybody has a right to do it. There is no religious clergy that are above the law. No such thing. There are no holy people that can't be questioned. There is no grand sacred authority. Everybody is equal before the law. Even someone guaranteed paradise like Umar radiallahu anhu can be questioned by a woman in public. What are you wearing? Where'd you get that from? Where'd you pay for that? <laughs> he could be questioned like that in public. That's justice. That's what you call justice. You know? And this was given to our messenger and we don't appreciate that. Today the governments of the world and the people of the world are suffering from injustice. And this is the reason wherever the Muslims went and established deen, when they would have to leave, the people would cry. When are you coming back? Because they didn't just bring religion with them. What did they bring with them? Justice. And today all the talk is about fighting even among Muslims. There's no talk about justice. We don't do justice in our homes, not in our neighborhoods, not in our masajid. How are we going to bring justice to the world? But this is a gift Allah Azza wa Jal gave His Messenger wasallam, And along with it, victory. And each of these, I'm giving you some bits of it that you can appreciate for our time. Just some aspects of it that you can appreciate for our time. We say Allah Azza wa Jal gave the surah, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ Right? That's actually surah coming up uh, a couple of weeks from now, inshaAllah. Right? Allah guaranteed His Messenger victory. This is part of the good He gave Him. You know, there are other messengers that came, 950 years, no victory on the earth. Except the believers had to escape and the town, the world had to be destroyed. <laughs> Musa Jalilul Qadr, Musa alayhi salam. So 70 plus times mentioned in the Quran. But even he, at the end, he, he, he died in exile. Bani Israel failed him. They failed him. You know? And Allah Azza wa told us not to be like the followers of Musa. La takunu kalladhina Musa. Don't be like the one who gave Musa pain. Because <laughs> they disappointed him. But Allah Azza wa gave this messenger victory. Now I want to talk to you about that victory for a second. What's even miraculous about that victory? What's miraculous about that victory? You know, 
in the the kinds of the kind of change that happened in Arabia and which became international in how long? Twenty three years. The Prophet's life is sixty three years, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But his life as a messenger is twenty three years. So the, whatever change we're talking about that happened in the Arab world happened in how long? Twenty three years. Twenty three years. Has there ever been a change in the world that happened over the course of 23, 33, 43, 53, 63 years? I don't care if you talk about 500 years. A change that changed the way people think, what people love, what people hate, how people dress, how they run their government, how they run their economics, how they get married, how they get divorced, how they go to the bathroom, what they eat, what they don't eat, what they say, what they don't say, how they do business, how they take a loan, it changed every aspect of their life in how long? 23 years. 23 years. You know in world, those of you that are in high school, you take global history, and you learn about revolutions, you learn about the Bolshevik revolution in Russia, you learn about the French revolution in Europe. These revolutions were either political or economic. They didn't change the ethics of the people, they didn't change how people eat and sleep and drink, they didn't change what people love and hate, they didn't change how people dress, nothing else changed. One big change over the top and that's it. And even those changes were brought about by people who read the works of philosophers, and those philosophers lived decades before. I'll give you just one example. The Russian Revolution, the Communist Revolution. You know who the author of the Communist Revolution is? It's Karl Marx. Karl Marx. You know where Karl Marx is from? He's from Germany. And he died 60 years before the Russian Revolution. The guy was a librarian. The guy was a writer. Philosopher. He's sitting in a library writing his book. He never imagined people are going to be killing themselves over this. And 60 years after his death, there are people revolutionizing a country, right? Now, in other words, there's the historical formula. The philosopher, the philosopher of an idea is never on the battlefield. Never. And the philosopher of an idea is not even himself a revolutionary, he's just a philosopher. He's not going out there to try to convince people to make changes. He's not doing, he's just writing. He's just writing. Even the French Revolution, Voltaire and Rousseau, you read about this in global history, Right? These writers never saw the revolution. It was like almost a century before the revolution ever happened. In the case of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who is delivering the message and who's on the battlefield? Can you imagine? And who's on the front of the battle? Who's delivering the message and who's being boycotted and being forced to live in a cave? Who's being expelled from his house? He's not just standing in behind some podium and telling the people to march forward. He's the first to march forward when there's nobody standing behind him. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This has never happened in history. Ever. Ask your political science professor. Ask your history professor. You know, I, I, don't, take, I don't think we should take validation from non-Muslims. You know that famous book, the top 100, and they put Rasulullah as number one. We boast about that. That's nothing to be proud of. It's not. We are proud enough of what Allah gave us. You know, that's enough for us. But that, you know, what they acknowledge even from their secular point of view, from their secular point of view, they even know no such political, social, economic, moral, spiritual change has come at the individual and collective levels at the same time ever in human history. There's a reason they put them as number one. They didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice. There's no choice. There's no second. So Allah gave His Messenger victory like no other. Like a book like no other and a victory like no other. Now then Allah Azza wa Jal gave him so many honors. You know? Allah Azza wa Jal gives sharf to His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa This is part of Al-Kawthar. You know, Ibrahim alayhi salam made so much dua for the Qibla. When he was building the house of Allah. Right? Make the hearts of the people turn towards it. Right? 
تہوی الہی make this a place that is full of virtue and a place of peace he made dua for this house but when Allah Azza wa Jal changed the Qibla from Al-Aqsa to Al-Masjid Al-Haram when he changed it Allah gave his reasons you know what the reasons were? قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا we saw your face sallallahu alayhi wa we saw your face turn to the sky so we're changing the Qibla for you. No doubt about it. فَلَا Then we swear that we are for sure changing the Qibla for you. Why? Because you looked at the sky. You didn't ask Allah. He didn't ask Allah. He didn't make dua. He just had a sad look in his eyes and he looked at the sky and the ayah comes down, look the Qibla has changed. Are you happy? Tarbaha. So you would be pleased. The world's history has changed. Billions of people play, pray in a different direction. Because of that event in human history. World events changed because of that event in human history. And the reason for that event, the messenger could have a smile on his face, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna a'tainaka al-kawthar. What is this kawthar that we're talking about? It's an incredible thing to appreciate what Allah has given his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We already talked about, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Then مَقَامَ مَحْمُودَ عَسَىٰ أَن يَبْعَثَكَ رَبُّكَ Maqama Mahmuda, this special station Allah has given His Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Another gift of the Messenger to the Messenger, part of the kawthar is the believers that Allah gave him. You know, the believers that Allah gave him. Allah Azza wa Jal gave this man followers that are unparalleled in human. No, no leader ever had followers like these. And you know, leaders leave behind monuments, statues, buildings, highways, roads, flags. Right? They leave behind these things as their, as their historical accomplishment. What have you accomplished? Well, I did this, this, this. And I built this wall and I built this statue on this tower. What is it that the messenger left behind? What statues? What towers? What highways? What, you know, what university? What did he leave behind? He left behind sahaba that changed the world. This is a gift of Allah to his messenger. Muhammadur Rasulullah وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ أَشِدَّا عَلَى الْكُفَّارِ رُحَمَا بَيْنَهُمْ Then, on top of this, the gift Allah gives his messenger, wallahi. You know in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah Azza wa Jalla is disappointed with people who are having weak iman. They were strong sahaba, they were weak sahaba too. Some of them are weak, have weak iman, some of them are, some of the, that are pretending to be sahaba, but they're actually hypocrites. And Allah told them something. Of course, they're supposed to help the messenger. But Allah told them, إِلَّا تَنْصُرُهُ If you don't help him, فَقَدْ نَصَرَهُ Allah. Allah has already helped him. He doesn't need your help. What a gift of Allah to him. He, Allah told him, the, you know, the sahab, told the sahaba, even if you don't help him, the cause will go on because Allah's help is already with him. Allah's help is already, subhanAllah. These are gifts, again, we're almost done. Then Allah gave his, the gift, one of the great gifts Allah gave to this, to this messenger, وسلم, is a gift to us. He made us his ummah. So we are a gift to the messenger, and the messenger is a gift to us. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا We made you a middle nation thus لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِدًا فِي الْآيَةِ الَّتِي ذَكَرَ نَحْنُ أُمَّةً فِي نَفْسِ الْآيَةِ ذَكَرَ أَنَّهُ رَسُولُ Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Right, same ayah he mentioned, the same thing. Where he mentions there he, that we are an ummah, he mentions that he is the messenger, sallallahu Because we are the messenger of, we are the ummah of that messenger. And he made dua for this ummah. He, you know, he told us he's, he hopes to be the one of the most following on the day of resurrection. And the more following he has, 
the more his mention is made, the more the ayah, the other gift of Allah is fulfilled. وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Right? He, he commanded the believers to have lots of children, by the way. Those of you who've been avoiding it. You know? Because he said, on the day of Jum'ah, I hope to be of the most followers. We should fulfill the... Out of love of the messenger, we should have kids. Sallallahu alayhi wa Out of love of that man. Then of course, Allah gave him his family. His blessed family. And the family enjoys a noble status in the ummah. So we say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Ali Muhammadin. The family of the Prophet is a gift given to him. Then there's the shafa'ah. On the day of judgment where every messenger, people will go to this Prophet, then that Prophet, then that Prophet, and they will say, nafsi, nafsi, me, me. Don't come to me. Don't come to me. And on that day, the only act, the only exit, the only door open, is that of Muhammad Rasulullah This is huge. This is huge. On the day of judgment, there is no greater gift given to this ummah, and no greater honor that, you know, on the day of judgment, everybody's worried about themselves. Everybody. The mother drops the baby. The guy says, take my whole family, put them in hell. Forget my family, my entire zip code. Oh, you know, not even my zip code. Take everybody in the earth, let, let them go, let me be saved. On that day, this man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, comes and says, no, this one's with me. There are narrations in which people are being dragged into hell and the messengers pulling them. And the sahaba, the, the angels snatch them away. Right? And the messengers are trying to pull the people away. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the, the authority to do that on the day of judgment, even imagine. That has been given to our messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I mentioned this before. Inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. It's an amazing gift. That Allah, no doubt, and His Prophet, and, and the angels are sending prayers upon the Messenger, the Prophet ﷺ. You know the gifts of the gifts of Allah is even how Allah calls him? Even how Allah calls him. He doesn't call him, Ya Muhammad, Ya Ahmad. He says, Ya Adam, uskun anta wa zawjukal jannah. He says, Ya Dawood, inna ja'alnaka khalifatan fil ard. He says, Ya Isa, inni mutawafika wa rafi'uka ilayya. Ya Musa, innani Allah, fa'abudni wa aqimi salata li dhikri. Ya Zakariya, inna nubashiruka bi ghulamin ismuhu Yahya. Prophets are called by their names. But Allah turns to His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and He says, Ya ayyuhal nabi, Ya ayyuhal rasul, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, Ya ayyuhal muddathir. Look at the honor Allah gives His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And even when He mentions His name in Quran, He says, Rasul, Muhammadun Rasulullah waladhina ma'ahu. Ma kana Muhammadun aba ahadim min rijalikum, walakin Rasulullah wa khatamin nabiyyin. وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدٍ right? وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٍ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرَّسُولِ إِنْ عَلِي عَمْرَانِ There's only one place in the Qur'an where Allah does not mention Rasul next to Muhammad. And that's in Surah Muhammad. Where He didn't highlight the, the fact that he's a messenger, He just highlighted him for who he is even despite the messengership. Just himself. And even in that ayah, he mentioned revelation, which makes it clear that he's a messenger. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَآمَنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ You know, subhanAllah. What has been sent down upon Muhammad, calling him a messenger anyway, <laughs> referring to the revelation anyway, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's an incredible thing. The five prayers. The five prayers that were given to the messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, are in and of themselves a gift. They themselves are a gift. Then in addition to this, ulama ummati ka'anbiya bani Israel. He gave, Allah gave a gift to his messenger in his ummah. He gave this ummah scholars that he himself said, my scholars, the scholars of my ummah are the equivalent of, or they are the likeness of the anbiya of bani Israel. Subhanallah. 
what he gave the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam we're almost done tafsir al-quran allah gave this messenger a message that is easy to memorize easy to remember and here another contemporary issue that needs our attention i'll be done in less than 10 minutes inshallah tafsir al-quran and then wa takhfif al-shara'i and that that'll be the last one the facilitation of the Qur'an. Allah made the Qur'an easy on the people to memorize. Last, just last week, I was in a conversation with an Orientalist scholar, non-Muslim Islamic studies scholar. And their biggest thing, I don't know if you saw this documentary, I think it was on the Discovery Channel, if I'm not mistaken, on the Qur'an. And they talked about how the Qur'an is not actually preserved, and it's all these different parchments, and they found this other version of it, the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? And it's missing some surahs and all of this kind of stuff. Is the Qur'an really what it was then? Or is this just a, you know, a myth that the Qur'an we have now is the same as then? Let me tell you something about the Western textual criticism of the Qur'an. These people are incredibly smart at pulling off scams. And they sell a scam really well. And if you don't know the scam, you'll say, oh my God, makes sense. He's got a PhD, he must be telling the truth. It's on TV, how can that be wrong? Right? That's our standard at this point, the level of intellectual depth the ummah has, right? I saw this documentary and it shook my iman. Seriously, it should have made you laugh. It should have made you laugh. When somebody tries to spit at the sun, it comes back on their own face. That's what they did. They spit on their own face. Let me tell you something about this. In the West, I'll start very logically, because this is again a very important concept for all of us to have, that gives us confidence in deen. When you want to preserve a document... There are two ways. Written archive and oral tradition. There are only two ways of preserving a document historically. What are they again? Written archive or oral tradition. Written archive means you write it down. Oral tradition means you memorize it and make somebody else memorize it and make somebody else memorize it and that's how it's passed down. Okay. According to Western standards and logical standards, which of these is a safer... Do you know? Written archive. Written archive is safer. Why is it safer? Even though both have criticisms. If I start at that corner, I say to one brother, Brother, I'm going to whisper something in your ear. I want you to whisper it to the next person. I whisper in his ear, Ahmed punched Kareem. Okay? Ahmed punched Kareem in the stomach. That's all I told him. Ahmed punched Kareem in the stomach. He whispers it to the next brother. Then the next brother. Then the next brother whispers it to the next. And the next. By the time we get over there, Ahmad gutted Kareem's stomach out, burnt his house down, and then blew up the neighborhood. Okay? Every person adds 1%. And by the time you go through 500 people, how much has been added? 500%. This is an error of oral communication. It's a problem of oral communication. Okay? Even if you change one word, and the next change changes just one word, those one words can add up. They can add up. So the argument in Western criticism is an oral tradition goes through lots of changes. Logical, very logical. Okay, let's keep that in the back of your mind. Now come to written tradition. We, they didn't have Xerox back then. They didn't have scanners back then either. So if you have a book and you wrote it out, the only way to duplicate it is what? Write another one. If you are, and is it handwritten or machine written? Handwritten. And in handwritten archives, is it possible you made a mistake? Possible. And then there's, this book has one mistake, and then this book with one mistake went, and it got duplicated. Is it possible another mistake will happen? It's possible, right? These are possibilities, and these guys love talking about possibilities, let me tell you. Right? So now they say, okay. And by the way, in the West, when they talk about historical documents, do they pride themselves over oral traditions or written traditions? In the West. Written traditions. 
So their understanding of something properly documented has to be what? Written. So they come to the Qur'an with the understanding that the only way the Qur'an was preserved is by what? Writing. By writing. Now, if we go by their... Let's agree with their argument. For in the beginning, let's agree with their argument. Okay? If we go by their argument, if the Qur'an was memorized, and then person A helped person B memorize, but person B memorized it a little bit differently, and then they went and taught person C, and they memorized it also a little bit differently, over time, would you have less variation or would you have more variation? You would have more variation. And if the Qur'an is written down, and then it goes to another town, another copy, another copy, is it possible variations will also increase? This is a historical fact. If you're going to, especially not even stay in the same town, they're not even on the same continent. And there's no one-way flights back then either. So you're months and months and months apart. And you can't even make a phone call and say, no, you've got the wrong version. If you want to get the information to them, you've got the wrong version, you're going to be traveling for six months. And in those six months, it may have sped, spread even more. In other words, if there is one variation, it can become 10,000 variations without the ability to control the information. You understand? And how long has this spreading of information been going on? 1400 years plus. In other words, by going purely by Western standards, we should have so many versions of the Qur'an, they should be in the millions. No two people can probably have the same Qur'an if we go by their standards. Now come to our time. You take a kid who memorized Qur'an in Jiang province, China. And then you take a kid who memorized Qur'an in Somalia. And you take a kid who memorized Qur'an at IQA. And they're hanging out together one day. And one is reciting Baqarah. And the, one speaks Chinese, one speaks Somali, right? One speaks English. They can't talk to each other, but they recite, one's reciting Baqarah, can the other one correct him? They can. The fact that the Qur'an was primarily preserved by making it easy to remember. There is no document in human history that was predominantly protected by memorization. Memorization is a way to create variation, but in the Qur'an's case, memorization became a means by, to create unity and the, lo, the lack of variation. What is usually associated with too much variation now became no variation at all, and their only answer to that is, there must be some conspiracy by which they stopped all these other versions from coming out. Can you help me? Is, has there been any other conspiracy where there's no leaks? No leak. Millions of people from different civilizations memorizing the same exact thing. And Allah saying miraculously, We no doubt made the Qur'an easy for remembrance and for memorization. includes memorization. Allah made it miraculously easy for memorization. Tell me any other document that has this kind of preservation. And if they say, we don't know if the Qur'an's preservation is intact, let's put it to the test. Let's put, bring it, make a giant vault, put all the copies of Qur'an in there, get rid of them. How long before in Richardson we come up with a new copy of Qur'an? Through our hafad, in the zip code. We don't even have to go to the next zip code. You can cut off our internet access and phone line too. And how long before they come up with another Bible? Think about it. Uh, even another copy of the United States Constitution. Let's just do that. That's not even thousands of years old. That's a couple of hundred years old. Let's just take it away and let's see if they can come up with it. Word for word. Let's see how long that takes them and how long it takes us to come with Quran again. Allah says He preserved it. Inna he preserved it in a way even if you try to corrupt it. There were attempts to make surah, they, they published uh, copies of Quran. It's called Furqan, I think it's called. That's missing some surahs. 
They say it's the politically incorrect surahs are taken out. And the Muslims are so, how dare they? Don't you have to worry, it's okay. What are they going to do? What they couldn't do for the last 1400 years, when Allah said He protected His word, you think these jokers are going to sell two books at Amazon.com and compete with Qur'an? Are you kidding me? There's nothing to worry about. Because we're not, as, we're not responsible for guarding this book. It is only we who are taking responsibility of guarding this book. This is Allah's responsibility. And He made it in a way that you just... The only way to get rid of Qur'an is to wipe out the entire population of Muslims from the face of the earth simultaneously. That's the only way. Get rid of one-fifth, one-fourth of the world's population. That's the only way left to get rid of Qur'an. In other words, over time, documents become less viable, less valid, and this is the only text that only becomes more valid. You know the biblical studies? In biblical studies, did you know that in, in most Bible scholars that are doing PhDs from universities here, Bible scholars, they no longer believe that the Bible is historically accurate. They, they don't believe it. Read, read the talks by Professor Gerald Dirks, on, uh, or listen to his, to his interview at, uh, on um, Brother Eddie's show, thedeanshow.com. Listen to it. He's got a master's degree in divinity. This is a gift of Allah to the messenger. You couldn't get rid of this message if you tried. Not if you tried. You know he used to be so worried. Am I going to forget the ayat? He used to be so worried. And he used to rush his tongue. لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجلبي. And Allah told him, إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَ We've taken it upon ourselves to gather it and to have it communicated, have it recited. Look how Allah took that responsibility away from the messenger. Took it off his shoulders. الَّذِي أَنْقَضَ ظَهْرَكَ he took it off his shoulders. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These are from the good, the gifts Allah Azza wa Jal has given him. The last point I will make before you is the following. After we list all these things that come under kawthar, and Allah has given those to him, how is he supposed to thank Allah? You know, you can only thank. The thanks, the reaction should be in accordance with the action. How do you take these infinite gifts and how can you ever respond? I don't know what, I don't even know where to begin. You know when somebody does a huge favor to you, you say, I don't even know what, you, I don't even know what to say. You're at a loss. I don't even know what I can do for you. I can never repay you. Right? When we, when we appreciate what Allah has given His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa the thing that comes to mind is, how is He, how is he to repay this? What, is, what can Allah expect from Him now? He can't come up with anything, so Allah gives it to Him. Fasalli. Pray, make salah. The first act of gratitude to Allah is salah. The first act of gratitude. He didn't say, Washkur. You know, I've given you a lot, so thank me. Washkur Rabbak. No. Praise your master. No. Salli li Rabbik. Pray to your master and then sacrifice. Salli. And by the way, this is the act of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Prayer and sacrifice is the legacy of. Ibrahim alayhi salam. And Allah Azza wa Jal tells and says about him, Shakirali anumihi, he was grateful to the favors Allah had given him. And how would he, how did he show that gratitude? Prayer and sacrifice. Prayer and sacrifice. And this is what the Messenger is told. This is to give us a new appreciation, inshaAllah ta'ala, of these cardiovascular exercises we do five times a day. What they actually mean to Allah. What their value is to Allah. On the one hand, he put al-kawthar. On the other hand, he put salah. Subhanallah. What a gift this salah is to the ummah. 
What a gift this is. What a, what a huge you know, means by which we can make our case before the Day of Judgment. The first question to be asked is Salah, and there's a reason. There's a reason for that. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us an appreciation of His Word. May Allah Azza wa Jal remove from us an incorrect understanding of His Word. And not only should he, that we beg Him to have a correct understanding of it, but in addition that we are able to live by it. And that this, this, the study of Qur'an, the memorization of it, the proper recitation of it, the acting upon it, all of this is a case in our favor on the Day of Judgment and not a case against us. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Inna a'tainaka al-kawthar fasalli li rabbika wanhar. إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرُ الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر أمين رب العالمين ثم أما بعد A few weeks ago we uh, started the درس on سورة الكوثر uh, and we actually covered fairly comprehensively a discussion on the first ayah of Surah Al-Kawthar. So today's agenda is to try to finish the surah starting with the ayah, فَصَلِّ رَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ But before we get into the ayat themselves, there are a couple of things that need to be clarified. First, as a matter of overview, this, this uh, surah, there's majority opinion that it came down regarding a series of incidents that are very similar. So there's no absolute opinion on which one incident it came down regarding, but all of the incidents that are narrated are all similar. But essentially they are incidents in which the Prophet ﷺ was insulted by the kuffar. There were some disbelievers who came and said something inappropriate to the Prophet ﷺ. And we'll see what those comments are. We, we read some of them last time, but inshallah ta'ala today, when we get to the ayah, in nashani al-abtar, we'll see that in more detail. Nonetheless, the context is something negative. It's something that happened that isn't a pleasant incident in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. But Allah takes this negative incident, but doesn't begin with it. He began with something positive. Inna al-kawthar. Allah giving the Messenger ﷺ al-kawthar is something entirely the opposite. It's extremely positive, and this is a teaching us. This is teaching us an important lesson in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ and also in the work of da'wah. Something really disturbing, hurtful has happened to the Prophet ﷺ, but Allah wants His focus on something positive. Focus on what Allah has given you instead. Focus on what the, the kawthar that Allah ﷺ has given you. That's the first lesson here. Of course also there's something as a gift from Allah ﷺ, He mentions the good before He mentions the evil. So He mentioned the good in the ayah, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ Then also in فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ Then He mentioned the evil, إِنَّا شَانِئَكَ Your enemy. The enemy is mentioned at the end. Also, this is again part of the love Allah has for His Messenger ﷺ. The words that were said were very painful. And you know, we know that there are many words that are said against the Prophet ﷺ that are painful. You know, he was called insane. You know, وَيَقُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونَ They say that he's insane. They called him, وَيَقُولُونَ سَاحِرُ They said he's a magician. They said that he's, he's a liar. Sahirun kathab, a magician and a liar. So they made all these hurtful allegations against him, but this one is special. This one hurt extra. 
This one hurt extra. And I talked a little bit about why this hurt extra, but I'll review that with you because that's important to note here. You see, the narration goes that the Messenger ﷺ lost one of his children, one of his sons. And this is, we'll, we'll see the names of these sons in the next narration, but the idea is he lost a child and the news spread. You know the kind of pain a parent goes through when they lose a child? And you know the people that come to you, they try to give you consolation and they try to give you some words that will make the pain, at least help you bear with the pain. And when you see someone going through that suffering, even if they are your enemy, you would just take a back seat and not say something because after all, they've lost a child. That much humanity and that much compassion, all human beings share with each other. When Abu Jahl gets this news, and he's his uncle after all, you're expecting some compassion at least from your family. This entire conflict aside, in the end you're still family. But no, he, is so, he has so much animosity against the Messenger wasallam that he goes around and starts celebrating and starts going around laughing and telling people, Batara Muhammadun, we'll see that narration, oh Muhammad, his legacy has been discontinued. His name will not be mentioned again. In other words, the only way your name is continued is through sons. And since he lost his son, he only has daughters, his name will not be mentioned ever again. This is a temporary problem because his legacy will not be carried out by his sons because that's the only means by which a legacy is carried out. You know, at a painful moment like that, to turn that into a means to say hurtful, painful things. So these words themselves are extremely painful. And they're so painful that Allah doesn't quote what they said. He doesn't tell us what they said. You see, Allah didn't say, يَقُولُونَ هُوَ أَبْتَرْ or هُوَ بَتَرْ He didn't say, they say that he has been, his legacy is discontinued. He didn't bring up that wound for the Prophet ﷺ. Like he does when they say he's insane, or he's a magician, or he's a liar. He does quote them. But here he didn't quote them. He just went straight to the consolation, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرْ your enemy, he is going to be discontinued. So he didn't even bring up this, the thing that which the kuffar had said. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is an indication of the love Allah has for His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Then finally, what we learn in this surah is something remarkable. Not only does Allah change the Messenger's focus, He just feels like He's lost something. When you lose a child, you feel like nothing you get matters. Right? This is important. For, this would happen to any human being. This would happen to any human being. When they lose a child, you wouldn't worry about the house or the bank or anything like that. On your mind is just that overwhelming loss of a child. It's the greatest treasure a parent receives, right? But at that point, Allah Azza wa turns His focus around and gives Him the first remedy, inna al-kawthar. He's just lost a child and Allah tells Him, you've received a lot. You've gained much. And there's a list that we went through last time, what Allah has given His Messenger wasallam. This is the second thing. But even after that, the remedy, how do you deal with pain? What we're learning in this surah also, in addition to the response to the kuffar, is how, how are we supposed to deal with you know, painful loss? You know, overwhelming depression and loss that we suffer, especially with loss of family. First, you focus on what Allah has given you. And second, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرْ Allah tells His Messenger, pray. The way, the remedy for dealing with suffering, the remedy Allah gives His Messenger Himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is prayer itself, subhanallah. So this is, you know, from two angles. One, the salah has to do with the last ayah, and the other, the salah has to do with the first ayah. The salah is the central ayah. 
is the middle ayah of the surah. The first ayah deals with the gift Allah has given the Messenger And what's the thing you should do when you receive a gift? You should thank. And the best way to thank is salah. So in response to the first ayah, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ And second is the pain that he's being, you know, the pain that is uh, hurled his way by his enemies in the last ayah. And to deal with that, what do you do? You stand in salah. So for both of those, the, the positive and the negative, the response for that is salah, subhanallah. Now in regards to the children of the Prophet والسلام, عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنه, قال, It is narrated by Ibn Abbas رضي الله تعالى عنه. كان أكبر ولد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم القاسم The biggest child, the oldest child of the Prophet ﷺ, his name is Qasim رضي الله عنه ثم زينب دن زينب ثم عبد الله دن عبد الله ثم أم كلثوم ثم فاطمة ثم رقية فمات القاسم So now we find the, the, the sequence, the ages So the oldest child Qasim, then Zainab, then Abdullah, then Umm Kulthum, then Fatima, then Ruqayya And so first, in the, in the late Meccan period, Qasim passes away Then later on, Abdullah passes away in, in the Madani era So some argue that this incident happened at the death of Qasim radiallahu anhu Others argue that it happened at the death of Abdullah And then another narration, we find another child's name, Ibrahim radiallahu anhu Right? So it's argued which child's passing that, that this happened. Again, in Abu Ayyub, he narrates, لَمَّا مَاتَ إِبْرَاهِيمٌ بِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ مَشَى الْمُشْرِكُونَ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَىٰ بَعْضٍ فَقَالُوا So when Ibrahim radiallahu anhu died, the son of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم, the mushrikun, they went running after one another towards each other and saying, إِنَّ هَذَا الصَّابِئِ قَدْ بَتَرَ اللَّيْلَةِ That this sabi', sabi' means someone who cannot have children anymore. So cannot have sons, who cannot, doesn't have a following. He just became, his legacy became discontinued tonight. So they were celebrating in that night. So the, the, the stronger narration actually points to the passing of Ibrahim radiallahu anhu. So فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ is that the ayah begins with fa. فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ The fa here, Imam al-Alusi rahimahullah comments on this word. He says, al-fa fi qawlihi ta'ala the fa when Allah mentions in this ayah, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ لِتَرْتِيبِ مَا بَعْدَهَا عَلَى مَا قَبْلَهَا عَلَى مَا قَبْلِهَا he says, this is to illustrate the importance of what is coming after, to connect it with what came before. فَإِنَّا إِعْطَاءَ تَعَالَىٰ إِيَّاهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ مَا ذُكِرَ مِنَ الْعَطِيَّةِ الَّتِي لَمْ يُعْطِهَا أَحَدًا مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ That it is because of what Allah has given to the Messenger وسلم, the granting Allah has given to His Messenger والسلام, that is mentioned in the first ayah, something that has never been given to anyone in all of the nations and peoples of the world. مُسْتَوْجَبٌ لِلْمَأْمُورِ بِهِ istijab it necessitates that it be responded to when such a huge favor is done it is necessary that you respond to that favor that that the messenger is being told because that huge favor has been done to you be consistent he's, he's arguing Imam al-Alusi rahimahullah be consistent in the salah for the sake of your master just as a small reminder once again in the previous surah we read the people who, who when they pray First of all, they're relaxed about it, they don't really care. And when they pray, they pray to show off. And the opposite is being mentioned here. When you make salah, make it for your Rabb. Fasalli. He didn't just say fasalli, because the command is done. Like in other places we find aqim salah, right? Just aqim salah. But here, fasalli li rabbik. For your master, for your, for your Lord, which simplifies or clarifies rather the intention. So, salli. فَإِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ جَامِعَةٌ لِجَمِيعِ أَقْسَامِ الشُّكْرِ This is very important. Allah mentions salah instead of mentioning washkur. Washkur rabbak. Be grateful to your master. 
right? When a favor is done, the response is gratitude. So the, the, the way we understand this is that the salah is it's the most comprehensive of all the ways you can thank Allah. The best way to thank Allah, the most comprehensive and most complete way to thank Allah is to actually make salah to Allah Azza wa Jal. This is why we find in the sunnah of the Prophet when something good happens, what does he do immediately? When some good news comes, what does he do? He immediately makes two rak'ah. Right? And this is his way of showing gratitude. And this is something we should incorporate in our lives. When a favor is done, when we find some good news coming, then immediately our show of gratitude should be, thank Allah in the best possible way, make uh, salah before Allah Azza wa Jal. So, فَاسْتَخْدَمَ فَصَلِّ دُونَ فَشْكُرْ So he uses the word فَصَلِّ instead of saying فَشْكُرْ وَالْمُرَادِ بِالصَّلَاةِ عِنْدَ أَبِي مُسْلِمْ الصَّلَاةِ الْمَفْرُوضَةِ Abu Muslim says that this salah that Allah mentions and pray is referring to the mandatory prayers. That's what he says. Ibn Abbas says that وَذَهَبَ جَمْعَ إِلَىٰ أَنَّهَا جِنْسُ الصَّلَةِ That by just Allah saying pray, but he didn't qualify. Pray which ones? It means all kinds of prayer. Pray all the time. The, the fard prayers and even additional prayers. Others had different opinions about the word salah in this ayah. They said وَقِيلَ الْمُرَادْ بِهَا صَلَاةُ الْعِيدِ بِالنَّحْرِ that they said because one had is mentioned after, one had to sacrifice or to slaughter, actually more closely to slaughter, not sacrifice. Sacrifice has other words in Arabic. But you know, because of that word, some said, no, this is referring specifically to the prayer made on Eid day. So when you make the salah and then you go and sacrifice. So that connecting the two together. But really the majority opinion is, this is not specifically any one salah. The messenger is being told, whenever difficulty comes to you, the first thing, remember the good has been, that has been given to you. And second, make salah. Make salah. So that's that's the uh, overall understanding. Al-Murad salatu subh bi muzdalifa an nahr bi ma'na bi mina. This is the other opinion. Finally, on, in regards to this, that the, when Allah says salah, it means that the morning prayer at the occasion of muzdalifa and hajj, and then one har in the in the uh, area of mina. والأكثرون أن المراد بالنحر نحر الأضاحين. This is also important. That the majority opinion of nahr one har, which is commonly translated as sacrifice. Right? That the majority opinion is this is the sacrifice of the day of Eid al-Adha. That's the majority opinion. Though there are other opinions that we will see. But before we get to them, we find an interesting commentary by Zamakhshari. He says, وَإِنَّ السُنَّةَ الْقُرْآنِ ذِكْرُ الزَّكَاةِ بَعْدَ الصَّلَاةِ Or actually, uh, yeah, بَعْدَ الصَّلَاةِ So Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُ الزَّكَاةِ أَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ آتُ الزَّكَاةِ So here the same thing has been mentioned. فَصَلِّي رَبِّكَ because nahr, the sacrificial animal, what happens to the meat? It's given in sadaqah. It's a form of zakah. It's a form of giving. It's a form of sadaqah. So the salah is mentioned first. Just like everywhere else, Allah says, aqimu salah first, and atu zakah second. So the, the, the two have been distinguished from each other. And this is also important because this was a nation that used to pray and sacrifice before idols. فَالْأَنْسَبْ أَنْ يُؤْمَرْ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي مُقَابَلَتِهِمْ so it's important that Allah mentions the exact opposite attitude, which is that salah should be made only to Him, and sacrifice should be done only for Allah Azza wa This is again Zamakhshari's commentary. Then enslave yourself to your master, the one who has given you authority and has given you honor because of the grants that he has given you, وَشَرَّفَكَ and who's honored you. مُرَاغَمًا لِقَوْمِكَ الَّذِينَ يَعْبُدُونَ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ as opposed to your nation who worship other than Allah. وَنْحَرْ لِوَجْهِهِ بِسْمِهِ إِذَا نَحَرْتْ And when you sacrifice, sacrifice only for the sake of seeing His pleasure. 
مُخَالِفًا لَهُمْ فِي النَّحْرِ لِلْأَوْثَانِ As opposed to them who sacrifice for, sacrifice for idols. I'm not going to read you the next paragraph, paragraph but I will give you its uh, summary. الشوكاني رحمه الله in his famous tafsir فتح القدير commenting on the word نحر in one حر which again translated as a command form sacrifice. In commenting on it actually he narrates a hadith which is not agreed upon but nonetheless it's important to mention because he did comment on it. In this hadith the messenger essentially says that نحر here نحيرة is not نحر of sacrifice but rather it's the نحر referring to the raising of the hands when you make salah. You know this رفع uh, اليدين Raising of the hands That's also called نحر in this hadith So some ulama have taken that opinion of the tafsir And said that this is saying The first make salah and make sure you begin the salah with The takbir And then its, its benefits have been mentioned uh, In other places in the Quran And it's, it, you know, the, the blessings of this رفع اليدين is mentioned Now which part of the salah and which رفع اليدين That's not been specified Nonetheless that's not the majority opinion That's a very minority opinion The overwhelming majority say That wanhar refers to the sacrifice of the animal On the day of Eid We have to also understand why this, why this is mentioned Why فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرُ when we, when we move later on we'll see How this is connected directly to the legacy of Ibrahim So in regards to this ayah uh, Ibn Abbas who goes further to say الصَّلَاةُ الْمَكْتُوبَةُ وَالذِّبْحُ يَوْمَ الْأَضْحَى He says this salah is of course the mandatory prayer and then the sacrifice again, يَوْمَ الْأَضْحَى Bayhaqi says, ذِبْحْ يَوْمَ النَّحْرِ same, same concept. Al-Bayhaqi says this wanhar is the sacrifice on the day of Nahr, which is the day of Eid. Now, what are the words in Arabic? This is just on a side vocabulary for those of you that are studying Qur'an more deeply and want to get a little bit of insight on vocabulary. The words used in the Qur'an to describe animals that are to be sacrificed are budun, nusuk, hadi, and qala'id. These are the different words used for animals that are to be sacrificed. None of these are used here by the way, right? Budun is used for an, an, an animal that is large, that is large in size, and that an animal when it's sacrificed, its blood hasn't even dried up yet. Such an animal is called budun. Then nusuk is a sacrifice made only for the sake of pleasing Allah or getting close to Allah. As an act of devotion to Allah, such a sacrifice is called nusuk. Like in the ayah, inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati. Right, that ayah. So the, the word nusuk is a sacrifice made to get closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Hadi. Hadi is a sacrifice that is made, so you, that who's, the, the flesh of it, the meat of it is taken to the house of Allah for distribution. That's called hadi. Then qala'id, the plural, that's the plural word, qalada is the singular. Qalada is a sac- an animal that has been marked for sacrifice. You reserved it for sacrifice, but you haven't sacrificed it yet. And the way they would do that is they would hang something around its neck, like a garland around its neck. So it's known that this animal is to be sacrificed, whether it's at the occasion of hajj or otherwise, that's what that's called. But it, so these are the, the words for the animals of sacrifice. But then there are three words in the Qur'an for sacrifice, itse- sacrifice itself. Slaughter itself, the act itself. The three words are, the, the first one is dhabaha. Okay? So, or dhibh we call, dhabiha also, right? That's the word that's used, it's a common term. This is to slaughter something for religious motives. And this is to slaughter something for a higher agenda. And this, this word has been used for religious terms in Islam. And it's also been used in the, in the most hideous terms too. Because for example, with Fir'aun we find, yudhabbihuna abna'ahum. Right? They used to slaughter their children. So it's used generally for slaughter. Then we have the word dhakka. dhakka. For example, in the ayah, وَمَا أَكَلَ السُّبُعُ إِذَا مَا إِلَّا مَا ذَكَّيْتُمْ Dhakka is used to kill an animal quickly, and swiftly and painlessly. It's usually used, you know, when you have a, 
you find in the woods an animal that was uh, eaten up by a, like a, uh, another predator, but he didn't kill it. It's injured, but it's not killed. Now it's still not haram. So if you slaughter it quickly and painlessly, then you can still eat it, and that's what the ayah is discussing. Then the word dhakka is used. Also generally used when you kill something painlessly and quickly. Then illa ma dhakkaytum. But then we get to the word nahr. Why did Allah use nahr? He didn't say, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَذْبَحْ Right? He didn't use that. وَذَبِّحْ He didn't use ذَبِّحْ also. He used one harf specifically. Now listen to this. This is beautiful. He said, Allah, Allah uses the word nahr. It literally means that which is above the chest. Okay? And when people hang themselves or cut their own neck, you know, they do suicide. It's called intihar in Arabic from the same root. So that's what intahara comes from. Also, now um, moving on, on on this word, it literally, most literally means to cut in the throat. To cut in the throat is nahr. Now, specifically Allah highlighted cutting the animal at the throat in this surah. Why? You see, we learned before that this entire surah has to do with the messenger fulfilling the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam as opposed to the Quraysh who are not able to fulfill that legacy and how, how miserably they failed is mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'un. Now cutting at the throat, who does that remind you of? Ibrahim salam, And his, that's where this began. This entire tradition of the sacrifice of Eid Al-Adha, where does it begin? It begins with that original sacrifice of Ibrahim salam, And by precisely using this word beautifully, Allah Azza wa Jal tells His Messenger, these people were told, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّهَا ذَلْبَيْتِ Two surahs ago. They should enslave themselves to the master of this house. They failed. How did they fail? رَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينِ فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يُدْعُوا الْيَتِيمِ They failed miserably. Now it's your job to do, to fulfill the dua and the legacy of Ibrahim salam. And what is that legacy? فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ Subhanallah. How beautifully Allah Azza wa places that word, completing, letting us know that the Messenger himself is not only the fulfillment of the dua of Ibrahim, it's the fulfillment of the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now we come to the last ayah. Inna shani'aka huwa al-abdar. The word inna is important. I've mentioned this many times before in this series. The word inna is used in Arabic to talk to someone who's in doubt. Someone who's in doubt. In this surah, the audience, the primary audience is the messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah does not address the kuffar. He doesn't even address them. He's only concerned with his messenger. That in and of itself is a show of love by the messenger, by Allah azza wa jal, subhanahu wa ta'ala, for his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why? Because if the enemy attacks, instead of going after the enemy, Allah makes sure that the messenger's feelings are, are not hurt. So he comes to the aid of his messenger instead, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? So first thing he says is, inna. Inna. There is no doubt. Common, I mean, I'm not saying certainly or verily because those are old English terms. I'm trying to make it as contemporary as possible. There's absolutely no doubt. Now when you say there's absolutely no doubt, before you say something, clearly there is a doubt that you're trying to remove. That's why you say there's no doubt. So what is the doubt? You see, this is the Meccan period. And in the Meccan period, the Quraysh have a lot of power and the Messenger does not have much physical power. There's no armies behind him, sallallahu alayhi wa The Sahaba are few in number and even the ones he has are being oppressed and tortured. So they're, they're not in any position of power. 
So when the Quraysh who are outnumbering them and outpowering them, and they even have control of the Qibla, and they can say these kinds of things to the Messenger ﷺ without any physical response, no retaliation, then it seems like they are in fact in a position of power, and we, will, we, we don't have much to go on. But Allah says, no, as powerful as they look, they'll be cut off. No doubt about it. Don't be in any doubt about that fact. Inna shani abdar. Now we come to the word shani. Actually, before we come to shani, we'll work backwards. We'll go to the word batr. Ibn Jarir comments in his commentary, Batara Muhammadun minna. Abdullah ibn Muhammad, it's the passing of Abdullah ibn Muhammad, and this rumor was spread that Muhammad is cut off. Batr in Arabic is used when the, the tail of an animal is cut off. That's where it's used. And it's, an, it's a show of the animal is humiliated. And the, the way the Arab would be humiliated is, his future generations will not carry his name. Now who carries your name? The son or the daughter? The son carries your name, right? The son carries your name. The daughter will get married and carry the name of her husband and so on and so forth, right? So if your son, your name will not be carried, you should be as embarrassed as an animal whose tail has been cut off. That's the, the literal interpretation of the word batr. And this word they started using for the Prophet ﷺ. This was also used by Abu Lahab, by the way, for the Prophet ﷺ. And in response, Allah says, Abtar, even more cut off, and truly cut off, will be the enemy of the Prophet ﷺ. It is he who will be cut off, not you. Now why is that important? We're gonna read the commentary of the ulama on this word, and we'll discover why Allah uses this word, and what the power of this word is in this surah. إِنَّ مَنْ أَبْغَضَكْ مِنْ قَوْمِكْ لَمُخَالِفَتُكْ لَهُمْ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرْ لَا أَنْتْ Look, Allah said, you know the word huwa, he's commenting on the word huwa, Zamakhshadi is. He says, you know how in English they say, your enemy will be discontinued, your enemy will be cut off. As opposed to saying, it is your enemy that's gonna get cut off. Now when you put it like that, it is your enemy that's gonna get cut off, you actually said something else without saying it. I'll give you a simpler example first. If, you, if my child says to me, it wasn't me who drank the milk. It wasn't me who drank the milk. You know they're actually saying something else. It wasn't me who drank it. My brother did. Right? Or she did. Or something else. There's another sentence there. It's understood. By mentioning huwa here, al-ithbat ala ghayr al-fa'il. This is a tool in Arabic. It is your enemy that is in fact going to get cut off. What's the part that is understood? Not you. Not you. La ant. Not you. Now, Allah did not mention that part. He implied it, but He didn't mention it. Now, why not mention it? This is also, the Mufassir is mentioning it. The language mentions it. But how come Allah didn't spell it out? Because Allah doesn't even want to mention that comment associated with His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He doesn't even bring that up. This is again a show of the nobility of the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasallam. So the, the word abtar is used for the enemy. But only implied that you are not part of this. But not even stated in that way, so that painful statement wouldn't be brought up again, subhanAllah. لِأَنَّ كُلَّ مَنْ يُولَدْ إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَهُمْ أَوْلَادُكْ وَأَعْقَابُكْ Because all of those who believe until the day of judgment, every single child that is born, that is born with the adhan being given in their ear, every single one of them is from your progeny now. 
They are from your children and they're from your legacy and your continuity. Their idea of continuing your memory, your legacy, was having children. And the messenger has been given a new way to continue his legacy. A way that nobody else has ever been given. So it doesn't matter if somebody says La ilaha illallah in China, or they say it in Africa, they love the messenger equally وسلم, more than they love their own nation and their tribe and their nationality and their heritage. You ask them, who do you love the most? Any child, any child who bears La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, they will show that affiliation first. Subhanallah. Nobody, no, no family enjoys this kind of type. You know, families have fights within each other. Right? Families get, they break up. And they break over inheritance and this and that and the other. And Allah gave His Messenger a family. This family that Allah gave. This ummah, subhanAllah. What kind of continuation of legacy Allah gave. So He says in comparison, هُوَ abtar. He's the one who's going to be discontinued. فَمِثْلُكْ لَا يُقَالْ لَهُ, لَهُ abtar. And then the, the, the other one, uh, actually, anyone, the likes of you could never be called abtar. This is the commentary again. وَإِنَّمَا الْأَبْتَرُ هُوَ شَانِئُكَ الْمُنْسَى فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ The one who's truly discontinued, المُنْقَطِعْ The one who's cut off is the enemy that you have. The one who is cut off in this world and in the next. وَإِنَّ ذُكِرَ ذُكِرَ بِاللَّعْنِ and even if he is mentioned, he's mentioned in a means by which he is cursed. Every time we mention the people who cursed the Messenger ﷺ, another dua is made against them, another weight of the hellfire's punishment is burdened upon them, with our duas against them. And every generation of believers, even if they do mention Abu Jahl or Abu Lahab, they don't pray for them or praise them. They curse them even more, and Allah accepts the cursing of the believer against them. So millions upon billions upon people, generation after generation, who's, who's buried under... Now that's the kind of legacy they deserve. <laughs> you want a legacy, we'll get you a legacy. You know, and they thought their legacy is going to be continued by means of their sons. Subhanallah. وَكَانُوا يَقُولُونَ إِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا صَنْبُورٌ Again, they, they used to say that Muhammad is completely you know, left unsupported. إِذَا مَاتَ مَاتَ ذِكْرُهُ When he dies, his mention will die with him. That's what they used to say. Because he has no sons. Who's going to remember him? وَقِيلَ نَزَلَتْ فِي الْعَاصِ بِنْ وَائِلِ It's also been said, this ayah came about, عَاصِ بِنْ وَائِلِ لَعَنَهُ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ سَمَّاهُ الْأَبْتَرِ And he had named the Prophet Abtar. وَمِنْهُ الْحِمَارَ الْأَبْتَرَ الَّذِي لَا ذَنْبَ لَهُ It's also linguistically, like I said, the donkey or the animal whose tail has been cut off, who has no tail. قَدِمَ كَعْبٍ الْأَشْرَفِ Another story that's narrated in regards to this surah. كَعْبٍ الْأَشْرَفِ came to, to Mecca. فَقَالَتْ لَهُ قُرَيْشِ Quraysh said to him, أَنْتَ خَيْرُ أَهْلِ الْمَدِينَةِ وَسَيِّدُهُمْ You are the best of the people of Medina and their leader. أَلَا تَرَى إِلَى هَذَا الصَّابِئِ الْمُنْبَتِرْ مِنْ قَوْمِهِ يَزْمُعُ أَنَّهُ خَيْرٌ مِنَّا Didn't you look at this, this, this one that has no support, this uh, orphan that is cut off even in his future generations from, their na- from his nation, he thinks that he is better than us. وَنَحْنُ أَهْلُ الْحَجِيجِ But we are the people who take care of the people who make hajj. وَأَهْلُ السِّقَايَ And we give people drink. وَأَهْلُ السِّدَانَ وَقَالَ أَنْتُمْ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُ And so he, he, this guy came, Ka'ab bin Ashraf came, he came to Mecca from Medina, and they said, you see this guy, he thinks he's better than us. Look at us, we take care of the Kaaba, we do this, we do that, what do you think? Who's better, and who's gonna be cut off? Whose name will never be mentioned again? So he says, Antum khayrun minhu. You're obviously better than him. That's what he said. And so, فَنَزَلَتْ إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرَ And as, as a result of that comment, then this ayah came, your enemy, he will be the one to be discontinued. Now about the word shani. The common translation, you know in Arabic what they do is, to simplify things, the, a word is translated with another word. So, shani ay adu. Shani, 
the, the word enemy translated adu, which English again comes out as enemy. But that's confusing for us in English because if adu is enemy and shani is enemy, then why are there two different words? What makes them different? And of course, adu is used in the Quran. For example, adu is used for Fir'aun. It's used when Musa alayhi salam, you know, when he was brought up to the water and the child was picked up. Adu, right? Adu is used for shaitan, it's used for Fir'aun, it's, it's used in, in many, many places. But here specifically, shani. Why not adu? Inna aduwaka huwa al-abtar. What's the difference between these two words? First of all, understand that there are three words. Three words for animosity. There's shana'an, from we get, that we get shani. That's the first word. The second word is bughd, baghda'a. From it, the, the, the one who does it is called baghid or mughbid. Or mubghid rather. And the third is adu, from udwan and adawa. There are three words. So by the end of this dars, inshaAllah ta'ala, we'll understand the difference between these three, and why specifically this word has profound benefits in this ayah. So, now uh, in regards to abtar, وَأَصْلُ الْبِتْرِ الْقَطْعِ The origin of bitr is to be cut. وَشَاعَ فِي قَطْعِ الذَّنْبِ Like we said, the cutting of the tail of an animal. Actually, I'll skip this part because we did that already. Uh, let's go to the commentary. Oh, this is beautiful. The commentary of Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah. He wrote actually a thesis on Surah Al-Kawthar. It's a, it's a beautiful thesis. I've actually heard that it's been translated recently. So if you get your hands on it, try to, try to look it up online or something, inshallah, or in an Islamic bookstore, uh, and, and get it. Because it's a very, very beautifully written paper on Surah Al-Kawthar. إِنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ يُبْتِرُ شَانِئَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنْ كُلِّ خَيْرٍ It is as though Allah Azza wa Jal, how perfect He is, has cut the enemy of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from any possible good. He didn't just say cut off from your future legacy, cut off. Which means it's cut off universally, in absolute terms. فَيُبْتِرُ أَهْلَهُ So he cut off his family. وَمَالَهُ and his wealth. فَيُخْسِرُ ذَلِكْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ وَيُبْتِرُ حَيَاتَهُ so, and he will suffer loss in the hereafter and even in this life now. فَلَا يَنْتَفِعْ بِهَا Whether he has money or wealth, even if he has them, he won't benefit from them. وَلَا يَتَزَوَّدُ فِيهَا He will not be able to enjoy them or use them. صَالِحًا For any good whatsoever. لِمُعَادَةِ وَيُبْتِرْ قَلْبَهُ فَلَا يَمِلْ خَيْرِ Then Allah has cut off his heart, so it will never go in the direction of good. And that's a curse from Allah too. That heart will never be go, able to go towards good because it took an animosity against the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. وَلَا يُؤْهِلْهُ لِمَعْرِفَتِهِ تَعَالَى And it will never incline towards knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَمُحَبَّتِهِ وَالْإِيمَانِ بِرُسُلِهِ عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ Nor will it ever find a love for Allah or Iman or any of His Prophets عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ وَيُبْتِرْ أَعْمَالَهُ And all of His deeds, even if the good ones are there, they'll be cut off. فَلَا يَسْتَعْمِلُهُ سُبْحَانَهُ فِي طَاعَتِهِ And even if He has the ability, He will never use His abilities to obey Allah because He's been cut from all good. وَيُبْتِرُهُ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ فَلَا يَجِدُ لَهُ نَاصِرًا وَلَا عَوْنًا He's been cut off from all kinds of helpers. He will not find anybody to aid him or to anybody to support him. وَيُبْتِرُهُ مِن جَمِيعِ الْقُرْبِ And he's cut, off, cut him off from everything that he would find close to him. فَلَا يَذُوقُ لَهَا طَعْمًا وَلَا يَجِدُ لَهَا حَلَاوَةً So he will never taste any food, meaning he'll have no goodness ever. And he will never find sweetness or, or satisfaction in anything. SubhanAllah. And this is all... لِأَجْلِ هَوَاهُ Because he became an enemy of the Prophet because of his own personal desires. Razi comments, the first thing, ذَكَرُوا فِي سَبَبِ النُّزُولِ وُجُوهًا 
this, this, this was mentioned in, in regards to the, the uh, context of revelation. A few things were mentioned. Ahaduha, the first of them. Annahu alayhi salam, kana yakhruju min al masjid. The Prophet والسلام, used to come out from the masjid. Wal'as bin Wa'il, as-sahmi yadkhul faltaqaya fatahaddatha. Then they met, met each other. As bin Wa'il and the Prophet والسلام, as he used to come out from the masjid, they met each other and they spoke to each other. وَصَنَادِيدَ قُرَيْشِ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَلَمَّا دَخَلَ قَالُوا مَنِ الَّذِي كُنْتَ تَتَحَدَّثْ مَعَهِ So when the other people of Quraysh came, they asked Asa bin Wa'il, who were you talking to? فَقَالَ ذَلِكَ الْأَبْتَرِ He said that one who's cut off, that guy over there. So he pointed at the messenger in this condescending way and made this comment. So this was said after the Prophet had left. In other words, Asa bin Wa'il talked to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet left. And when he left, they came and said, who are you talking to? And he pointed at the Prophet who's already left. He can't hear them anymore. And said, that one who is abtar. That's what he said. Now look at the commentary. This was definitely a secret they had among each other. The Prophet was not aware of what they had said. Despite that, Allah made it manifest. Allah made it obvious what they had said only among each other. فَحِينَ إِذِنْ يَكُونُ ذَلِكَ مُعْجِزًا Therefore it even became a miracle. So when the ayah was revealed, they were like, how did he know? How did he know what I said? So even, this is even considered part of the miracle of the Qur'an, that Allah heard what they said even though the Prophet didn't. And the Prophet ﷺ gave him the ayah, إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ الْمَسْأَلَةُ الثَّانِيَةِ The second, الشَّنَآنِ هُوَ الْبُغْضِ وَالشَّانِئِ هُوَ الْمُبْغِضِ He says also part of the meaning, شَنَآنِ uh, is is hatred. Bughd is really hatred. And a shani is someone, an enemy who hates you. أَمَّا الْبَتَرْ هُوَ فِي اللُّغَةِ الْإِسْتِئْصَالِ الْقَطْعِ Actually, I'll skip this because at the end it will become easier for you to understand. Let's go towards the end, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, here's what I want you to, to, to look at. When Allah Azza wa Jal described the kuffar, أَنَّ الْكَفَرَةِ لَمَّا وَصَفُوا بِهَذِهِ الْوَصْفِ قِيلِ إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ when the kuffar were described, they were described as something that will be cut off. This is important because Allah is alluding to the victory Allah will be giving to the Messenger ﷺ in such a way that no generations of the kuffar will be able to survive in that land. That will never ever happen again. So in those words already was a guarantee of Allah's victory to the Messenger ﷺ. Is this guarantee going to be a, a complete surah dedicated just to that subject? Yes. Two surahs from now, we're going to read, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ right? There this will come completely clear. How will the enemy be discontinued altogether? But now inshallah ta'ala, wrapping this up, this, the three words of animosity, if you remember, I said udwan, udwan animosity, then you know, shana'an and bughd. But we'll go stage by stage. The first word is adu. Adu is an enemy that wishes to hurt you. He wishes to hurt you. And he's constantly thinking about ways to cause you pain. The idea is, he may not hate you, he may not have any feelings towards you, he just wants to defeat you. So he's constantly making plans, plots and plans to defeat you. Then there's mubghid or baghid. That's the second stage. It's above animosity. Not only does he want to hurt you, but he has hatred for you on top of that. So there are two things. Baghid actually includes a feeling. Then there's the third degree, which is shani. Shani is the third of them. And this third one is important because it is one who has the first attribute of adu. He wants to hurt you and defeat you. And second, he has hatred against you also on top of that. 
And third, he hides, he hides some of that hatred and only shows some of it. Whatever he shows is little, but he's, what he's got inside is even worse. So the worst kind of enemy is Shani. The worst kind of enemy is Shani. And why did Allah use that worst kind of enemy? Because we know even in sociology or just the history of human tradition, even an enemy will feel sorry for their enemy at the loss of a child. Even an enemy would do that. What kind of enemy could this be that wouldn't even find pain in that? In the, in the death of a child, they would find a reason to celebrate. They can only be called shani. It's an extreme, extreme, extreme enemy. And the strongest and the worst kind of enemy. And so I want to conclude with actually something very, very beautiful that's been said by Imam al-Alusi rahimahullah. Similar things have also been said by Imam Razi. أَنَّ الْعَدُوَّ وَصِفَ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ بِالْقِلَّةِ وَالذِّلَّةِ this is, this is amazing. The enemy of the Prophet ﷺ was described with a word that refers to having little or nothing. And also a word that is humiliating. Al-qilla wa dhilla. Al-abtar, he's not going to have much left. He's going to be discontinued. And it's humiliating because remember we said it's the taint of the animal that's cut. And if you're being compared to a, of a mutated, mutated, mutilated animal. So it's a humiliating word to use. وَنَفْسَهُ بِالْكَثْرَةِ and Allah Azza wa Jal attributed His Prophet with what? Inna a'tainaka al-kawthar. So He contrasted it. When describing the Prophet ﷺ, He used the word that is multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes. When describing the enemy, He used the word that is less and less, rather even cut off completely. Al-abtar. فَقَلَّبَ اللَّهُ الْأَمْرَ عَلَيْهِ And this is the exact opposite of what they were saying. They thought they had plenty. They, and by the way, why did they think they had, pl- they had plenty? You remember we, we read... رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ They thought they had plenty. They thought they had everything. But Allah Azza wa Jal, when describing them, He reverses it and He says, No, it is my messenger who has plenty. And what's the word for plenty? Al-Kawthar. It's, even, it's a plentiful word for plenty. Kathir is less, Kawthar is more. And then on top of that, for them, Allah uses the word that is, you know, فَالذَّلِيلُ مَنْ أَذَلَّهُ اللَّهُ So we learn here, ذَلِيل, powerless, you know, humiliated, embarrassed, is the one who Allah embarrasses. وَالْكَثْرَةُ And in the kathra here, وَالْكَوْثَرْ لِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ And plentifulness and much and multitudes are for the Prophet وَالْأَبْتَرِيَّةُ وَالدَّنَاءَةُ وَالذِّلَّةُ لِلْعَدُوُ And this being discontinued and this humiliation is for the enemy. فَحَصَلَ بَيْنَ أَوَّلِ السُّرَةِ وَآخِرِهَا نَوْعٌ مِنَ الْمُطَابَقَ لَطِيفٌ then we find this between the beginning of the surah and the end of the surah, this unique correlation, this unique contrast that has been produced. Subhanallah. Inna shani abtar. The final thing I want to say to you here, inshallah ta'ala, is that the, the, you know, the, the format of Arabic sentence, syntax, is important. And by, what, by that I mean sometimes Allah Azza wa Jalla uses a, a verb to describe something, and sometimes He uses a noun to describe something. And from a linguistics point of view, verbs are considered temporary, and nouns are considered permanent. That's the, that's the difference between them. When Allah gave to the Messenger, والسلام, the past tense was used. Because that was given to him even in his own lifetime. And that's specifically for him. This doesn't continue after him because it's only for him. When the enemy was talked about, the noun format was used. Right? This is Jumla Ismiya. And the noun format of a sentence is something that is timeless. In other words, this punishment of being discontinued is not just for the enemy that is against you right now. Any enemy of you that will come generations after, thousands of years after, hundreds of year, years after, so long as he is your enemy, he is cut off. 
he is cut off. And then you know there's a difference between using the mudari' form, the mudari' form and the ism form. In other words, yubtir or yubtar even, he will be cut off. That would have been a verbal form. But Allah uses a noun, and a noun is something that's happening immediately too. The jumla ismiyah is happening immediately. In other words, you don't have to wait for him to cut off, it's done. It's happened already. He doesn't even realize that it's happened. It's already, the, the, the plans have already begun. You know how sometimes somebody has a disease, the virus is already inside their body, but they haven't felt it yet? But it's already there? That's what Allah is, is describing in regards to the enemy of the Prophet ﷺ. They might think they're on top. Do the Quraysh think they're on top, that the messenger is not going to survive, we're going to get rid of him, who's going to listen to him, we already called him crazy, and this and that and the other, how's he going to have a following? Who's going to follow him anyway? Some kid, some, some slave, who's going who's to follow him? How many, you can count his followers on the tips of, of your fingers. It's been 10 years, he has less than 100. What's he going to get? How many people is he going to get? This is in their head. According to their planning, and their statistics, and their future projections, there's nothing lined up. He's got no plans. But Allah has His own plan. And according to them, they have all the power, all the strength, all the ability, all the means. So there's no way, there's no way that this is, they're gonna go down in any way. They don't, that's not in their fathom. But Allah Azzawajal has guaranteed it already. And this is a Makki surah. And at the time, even if they heard, in nashani akahu labta, they'll be like, yeah, right. Come on, really? We're gonna be cut off? Please. Another empty threat. Right? They weren't talking like that when Makkah is conquered. They weren't talking like that in 12-15 years. But at that time, they're talking like that. So Allah Azza wa Jal changes the scenario, He changes the scenery. This is why this surah and the rest that are coming, I mentioned before, they are so important because they are directly tied to the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the seerah of the Prophet is important in understanding the work of the Messenger. Because we as an ummah have to carry out the work of the Messenger ﷺ. That work is not done. That work, the, the, the best part of it is done, but the job has to be continued. And we cannot continue it in the best way until we understand what the Messenger himself went through, and what responsibility has been put on our shoulder, and what encouragement even Allah is giving us subhanahu wa ta'ala in dealing with this. Now one quick comment about the next surah, and we're done for the evening inshallah ta'ala. And that is, that the next surah is Surah Al-Kafirun. Allah here mentioned the enemy. Inna shani'ak. He didn't say inna al-kafir. He said, in Nashani, your enemy. Who is your enemy though? The kafir. The kafir has become your enemy. So here Allah Azza wa Jal alluded to who your enemy is. But in the next surah, it will become perfectly clear who exactly the enemy is. And why is he your enemy? Are you fighting over land? Are you fighting over territory? Are you fighting over my character? What's the, what's the fight about? What's the fight about? The fight is about who should be worshipped. They were told, فَلْيَعْبُدُ رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ they didn't do that. So what do we find in the next surah? لا أعبدوا ما تعبدون. We're going to find that contrast between the two. And inshallah ta'ala we'll study that profound surah in depth next week. Barakallahu li walakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim. Wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.